Here's three great reasons to get the new Samsung Galaxy S21 5G at T-Mobile. One, it's free for both current and new customers when you trade in an eligible device. Two, T-Mobile's the leader in 5G coverage. So three, you can unleash 5G speeds in more places with your new phone. Get the new Galaxy S21 free at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G coverage. Phone via 24 monthly bill credits plus tax. If you cancel credit, stop and balance on required finance agreement may be due. Contact us. Qualifying credit and consumer plan required. See details at T-Mobile.com. Blog Talk Radio. Yes, sir. Just let it be. 
gotta change it now, just you and me. Bye. 
Talking about IOU equals OID. This is tax season, so if you have your questions, comments uh, about filing taxes, what forms, what is the OID, what is a W 2, call in to 323 642 and I also want to say that no one is giving uh, legal advice, professional tax advice. We're just giving you what we are reading and learning from the horse's mouth, as they say, from the tax manual. Mr. Uh, Myron Rice, how are you doing this evening? Oh, we are fine here. We just kind of bring up, kind of bring up some forms. And again, I am not a tax professional. You need to educate your tax person by showing them the laws, uh, stating who you are, um, what, what, what you're looking to do. Uh, in this case, we're talking about federal income withheld. Which is, and I'm trying to bring up a 1040. And I do believe it's on line 17, the last I looked in here. Let's go down, keep going down. Line 17, um, federal income tax withheld. And before I get into this, we need you to, again, maybe you want to pull up a 1040 tax form so you can follow along. But here's a couple of laws. I'm kind of doing a little background of, how these became federal withholding, how they became OIDs, and the start that start this is the law that started me off, and that is Title 12, USC 412. Title 12, USC 412. So you need to pull that up. Also, something that you won't hear about, and of course, you know, Mr. Rice is always giving information, you won't hear it out here, but it came from me. In that letter, in that code, it talks about an application. So you need to go in and type in operating circular number 10. Operating circular number 10. You know, last week I gave you uh, some uh, interest income, 26 USC 6049. You need to deal with that. That deals with uh, interest income. That's what OID, we're talking about the OID. And also 26 USC uh, 6050J. And that is 6050J is the code for 1099A acquisition and abandonment. So I'm giving 
you will hear again another circular, uh, operating circular number 10, which is the application that is that is states in 412. We're going to read 412 in a minute. Also, again, everything we do, all of this stuff is based on, and this is the IRS form. This, this is not Myron Rice's. This is what the IRS says to do. And we need to go to IRS publication 1212, page 7. Now, I noticed that the, the road that said nominee, the column, it used to be in the first column, look like now it's in the middle column. So it looked like they've updated their publication, but it's still on page 7. And it's going to be under nominee. This is what they are. When you see the word you, it is not talking about you, me, Beverly. It is talking about the, the nominees, or we call them public trustees or fiduciary trustees. These are the persons that a contract was made with. You gave me your name and social, and they're able to tap in on your birth certificate and get the fund for whatever debt they send you. Whatever debt they send you is what they have withdrew from your estate. That withdrawal, that withheld, is not taken away and paid off until they return the funds back to the principal. And uh, the 1212, it says it's supposed to be returned using an OID, a 1099 OID. So if you didn't get a check, and I guess this guy named Fred Havens, he gets a check, or you didn't get a 1099 OID so that you could file it on your 1040, in your tax return, then the funds are still being held by them. And those funds being held, and they are federal, they are bank, then it's called a federal withholding, which means that federal withholding, anyone who knows anything, look it up, federal withholding is 100% deductible, uh, or refundable, I should say, 100% refundable. So you should be getting all of it back. There might be some minor um, charges because you're still filing under a 1040 or 1041, and the tax rate in those, for those two forms is under 26 U.S.C. 1. 26 U.S.C. 1. And it's going to talk about being married, uh, how much come out of it. And I, I, I use a basis of 250000 because you pretty Pretty soon you find out 250000 is nothing. That's a drop in the bucket. But if you take something that's common to all of them, 250000 for a married couple would be like seventy, I think $75,000 is taken out of 250000 and 39.6% tax rate is also withdrawn. If you're single, it's $79,000. $79,000 out of $250,000, and it is a 39.6% tax rate. If you are head of household, if, uh, females head of household, men that head of household, is $77,000 and a 39.6%. Now, if you are in a state and trust, now this is not me saying it, it's under 26 U.S.C. 1, if you are in a state and trust, then 
you have anything over $7,500, let me say it again, anything over, any gross over $7,500 will only have $2,125 taken out of your $250,000 if, if we use the same number. But it, it's not me saying it. Please, pull it up if you want to, 26 USC 1, and look at the different tax rates and then go down to the estate and trust. Now, we know the estate and trust cannot be filed under 1040. See, they don't say what, what form, but if it's an estate and trust, it cannot be filed under 1040. It has to be filed under 1041. So without them actually saying 1041 for an estate and trust, they do use the tax rate for an estate and trust. But we can't put us in the estate and trust on an individual 1040. So this is a situation where the 1041 is involved. So you may want to file under 1041. Number one line is interest on a 1041. There's no deduction. There's no exemption. You just gross it off and you get the maximum. And you do that tax rate. Gross it. So the more you have, the more you get back under an estate trust. Why do you think those people, other than some of our own color folks, have a trust? But how many of our people, you know, have a trust? In other words, you are ripping yourself off. Now, last week I spoke about people and the majority of you folks who are working for somebody and you receive a W-2. A W-2 is an OID, but it's a wages and income statement. Wages are is like a profit. It's a capital gain. No. I assume that you all punched the clock in or you was on the clock when you made that those funds. So, therefore, it is called labor, and labor is not taxable. So, you have to correct. Listen to me again. You have to correct that W-2 by putting in a W-2C and have it correction. Now, I found out earlier today that you have to order the W-2C from the IRS. So it's not something you can download off the Internet because there's a red, it starts with red copies, and then it has copy A and B that you give to different people. So, therefore, it's uh, scannable. It has to be scanned in by the IRS. So you need to get ordered again, a 1090, uh, 1099A, 1099OID, a 1096, and now you need a W-2C. And your tax person should know about this. If not, educate on people. A lot of stuff you didn't know, I didn't know a couple of months ago. Now we're finding out. We're not filing the right tax forms. Because when you say wages and income, you're saying that you made a profit. Therefore, you, if you made a profit, then there are deductions and exemptions that you're using. So, you know, you start off with this gross on line one, and you got all these deductions and exemptions, and then you come up with what they call a net income. So you, you're claiming to get down to a lower income, so you have a lower tax rate. But if you think about it, where's the money gone from the gross to the net. Where that fund go? You don't get it. So the IRS is getting it. The IRS is getting this stuff 
So they want you to file a 1040 because they get paid. But if you stop putting that W-2C and correct that wages and income to a labor charges, then that becomes exemption. So it would go under line 17 on a 1040. If you want to keep doing a 1040, it would be a federal withheld income or 1099. And remember, W-2 is a 1099, folks. Quit crying about, oh, people who did 1099 went to jail. Look at the Internal Revenue Manual, 6209, Section 2, and read tax rates, uh, uh, tax classes. And a W-2 is a tax class 5, a 1099, all of them are tax class 5. So it's an old saying, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, then it's a duck. So a W-2 is an OID, but they didn't want to put something down there where you understand, oh, wait a minute, what that means? And then start reading and looking up and coming up what I'm telling you right now. A W-2 is an OID. And the employer gave you that W-2 because what? Being an OID is what is used to return the funds back to the principal. Let me say that again. The 1099 OID, or we should say W-2, is how the employer is returning the funds back to you, and he's giving you a carbon copy of it. He filed a red copy with the IRS to let them know, yes, I took this money out of their estate to pay their salary, and I don't want to pay taxes on the funds. So I am transferring it from me to the employee. But remember, employees, it's labor. So therefore, it's tax exempt. You may even have to file your exemption ID number. What's your exemption ID number? Social without the dashes. So you may want to file it under, even though you're looking at a 1040 and it may ask for social and it may have squares and and dashes, I haven't seen one in such in a while. Let me start. let me look up here. Right now I have one on my screen. Let me look and see where it says ask for the social. Does it try to make you? Yeah, it breaks it up. It's got three, you know, two lines in there. So it looks like you're filing three different sections. Well, somehow you need to scratch that out and somehow just make the social with no no dashes up there. No dashes. No lines. They got lines on there. Now the 1040, I understand it don't even. It just got a line, so you put the put it in the line. But I see they're forcing you to use a social with two dashes in it. But they put two lines. I'm looking at the form right now for 2019. So it's up to you. You correct it. Put your initials next to it so they know you changed it because you are making that W-2 into a labor. It's no longer wages and income. It's going to be labor, labor charges and income. So anyway, I just want to put these, put this to you. Uh, this again, 12 USC 412, um, operating circular number 10, and IRS publication 1212, page 7. Now, last week, we talked a lot about, you know, taking your, uh, getting your credit report, something like that. So I hopefully, if there's any questions out there, 
before I get into my stuff, let me know what your stuff is. What is what kind of situation you might have feel questions you may want to ask about what was talked about in the last few weeks, being that this is tax season. And of course, I don't I don't want to hear that. I talk to my tax people and they don't know nothing about it. You're right. They don't know nothing about it. But you need to school them because if they don't do what you're saying, they are committing fraud. And you got the IRS laws that they're supposed to be following. They're committing fraud. An infant under Section 21.7.13.3.2.2, number two, an infant is defined, and you are an infant as a decedent of a estate. So you are an estate. You are a grantor of a trust. So you are a trust. So that is the definition of an infant. And under your birth certificate, you are an infant. You're always an infant unless you step out and make yourself a national or your state national or American national. And you're saying, uh uh-uh, I can control my own finances. And then you control that infant. And you can also, you have to, you as a real man, a real woman, can still cannot commerce people. I, I hear people saying, oh, I did this years and years ago, and I did that, and they ignore me. And why? Because you did it in your name. You know, oh, they're going to come after me if I file an OID. You don't do anything in your name. Your name is an infant. Create a trust with an EIN number. Anytime you file it, leans against them, you put the trust and the EIN number. So on a, on a UCC1, you put a lien on them. You don't have to go to court. All you have to show is that there's a contract. As long as you can show there's a contract, and I guess if someone sends you a bill, then your presumption is you have a contract with them. You told me I owe you, so therefore... We must have a contract. So, therefore, we act on that by saying, I'm putting a lien on you for three times the amount because you're damaging me. I've already told you to give me a contract, and you don't want to give me a contract, and you go to court, and you went and you filed it on my credit report. So, you screwed me twice. You went to court, got a judgment, and you go on my credit report put it on my credit report, and you have messed up my credit for, who knows, seven, eight years? I don't know. How long it stayed on my credit report? It doesn't matter. It's always there to me. It's always there. Now, if they're bold enough to do this, then you're bold enough to go ahead and put a lien on the member, folks. Stop talking to the clerk. Stop talking to the manager. Make sure that these people you speak to are bonded and can take care of the debt. And that is under UCC, International Law, 3-603. UCC, 3-603. I might be talking pretty fast, but nonetheless, Ms. Beverly puts it on five minutes after we hang up. I suggest you download it, and then you can slow it down and repeat it as many times as you'd like to. But I want to make sure I get everything in fresh. So UCC, 3-603, said. You have to only give it to the person who's authorized to deal with it. So quit talking to the manager. Are you bonded? If they're not bonded, then don't bother. Why? You can't sue someone who's not bonded, but someone who's bonded, 
You can sue the bonding company if they damage you. They don't handle the business. You send something to the CFO and it comes back with some kind of quote, some kind of clerk name or head management is on the on if they even have a name. Some of them don't even respond with a name. So you have to make sure you're dealing with someone bonded and personally. I would fill out that UCC anyway, one, and put the word draft. If not responding within a certain day, I will file it. And how are you doing it? UCC one. The first debtor will be the bonded person. The second debtor will be the corporation he works or she works for. And next to that corporation, you will put their EI of their Dunn and Bradstreet number. You can go to Dunn and Bradstreet. Put their name in, put the address of the company, put the name of the company and the address of the company, and uh, Dun & Bradstreet will email you within a few hours or a day. They will email you their Dun's number. That's how easy it is. You go to Dun & Bradstreet, type in their name, type in the address, and you will get an email. They're going to ask you for your email, and they will send you their Dun's number on email. So you got the bonded person, and you might, might want to go down to the county clerk to find out where their bond is, who's holding their bond, which is an insurance. You got the corporation who's doing business, because if they got an EIN number, that means they're doing business on the market. So if you report that EIN, that, that Dun & Bradstreet number to Dun & Bradstreet, their credit rating goes bad. The Dun & Bradstreet is only for entities, corporations, not for people. We have Equifax and those other credit bureaus, but a corporation has done in Bradstreet, and it's crucial that they keep a, a good record so that they can get loans from the bank. So if you put, again, the debtor, the, uh, the, the bond debtor, whoever you spoke to, whoever bonded, CFO, CEO, uh, the second debtor would be the corporation and their DUNS number. Number three, you, the secure party creditor. You don't be putting your name in there. Put in the trust that you posted, that you created, and the EIN number of the trust. Let them go after the trust. Who cares? Hell, you could dissolve that trust and create another one. Let them go after the trust, but you don't want them coming knocking on your door and arresting you. Because you could have a whole lot of people under that trust. They really don't know who's operating under that trust. And in box four now, this is so crucial. Normally, whatever the fee is, whatever you try to discharge from them, and they wouldn't discharge it, then you're going to put that amount in there, multiply it by three for your damages. And then you're going to state on the last line, the last line is uh, you will not retaliate when I get paid. You will not. The corporation shall not retaliate when I get paid. So there are people. I had a guy last week call me about a man who wrote a, you know, he received a $2 million check. He went to the bank. He cashed the check. And the bank called the police, and they took the check. He endorsed it, and he, the bank called the police, and they took his $2 million check. I'm pretty sure he's still sitting there who, who took it? Who, 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 took it? Huh? who took it? The bank? The no, police? the bank called the police, and the police took it. Oh. 
Well, it was his check, so he hadn't done nothing wrong. It was in his yeah, name but, or, or corporation yeah, or whatever. But, yeah, but again, well, by he, he, he signed. Go ahead. But he made he made a mistake because the bank couldn't take. I mean, they only can insure two hundred and fifty thousand. You say he had a million dollar check. Well, again, it's not the bank. It's not coming from the bank. The money. I assume when there's a check, there's a routing number, an account number where the bank just goes to the other bank who wrote you to issue the check to get the funds. He was trying to. He it's was trying you. to deposit it, right? Yeah, I assume it either the when he endorsed it, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't personally walk out with two million dollars in my pocket. That would be the dumbest thing any person can do. But a couple of things that they don't people don't understand. And I know folks that got a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred million dollar check, and they're holding it because they don't know what to do. People, don't <laughs> don't do the process if you don't know how to finalize it. You have to assume that that two million dollar check, if he deposit, what did he just do? He just mixed, he mixed public money with private money. You cannot do that. He mixed public money with private money. But then he wouldn't even been messed with. Anytime you get a check or something like that, you do not have a check to you. If you get a check, send it back to them, give them a routing number and account number, and that they'll be the last endorser because the last endorser is the person who is liable. Believe me, I know. I've heard it. The last person who who signed it is the one that will go to jail or be penalized. So don't sign the check. Send it back if they send you one. Send it back and tell them, this is the routing number and account number. I need you to deposit it in. That way you're not, you're not the one liable. And if it's public money, something that large, I wouldn't put them in a public bank, period. I would put it yeah, in a or something. Open up a treasury direct account. And they give you a routing number. Someone just talked to earlier saying they gave him a routing number and account number when he opened up a treasury direct account. And what do you do with the treasury direct account? It has to be linked to a public commercial institution but that commercial institution need to have a call a non-interest bearing account. A non-interest bearing account is at there, so your private money is going into the non-interest bearing account. That's an account that doesn't get any entitlement. That means there's no interest, no nothing that you're not getting receiving any funds on funds from it. The only thing it is is FDIC insured, as every account has to be federal deposit insurance corporation has to have. Everyone has to have an FDIC protector account, but that's not any kind of interest you get. And that's what happens if the account, you know, bank go bankrupt or bank disappears, then you're insured up to $250,000. And so you have a non-interest bank account. What you put in there, you put in what you need, and you collateralize it. You talk to the bank manager, get to know your manager. If your bank don't do non-interest bank account, if your bank manager does, is not, doesn't have a medallion seal, go to another bank. Go find another bank. You want those two things, a non-interest bank account and a manager that has a medallion seal, which makes them a federal notary. That's all they are, federal notary. And when they sign the forms, the, the Treasury Direct form, because the Treasury is one department, but 
before I hear a million, they need to use these federal notaries to verify that this person has a signature card at that bank and that they are who they say they are. So the treasury won't have no problem converting birth certificates into money that's being deposited into your We have bank. a caller. Okay, caller, go ahead, because I'm just I'm done with that. Go ahead. Okay, uh, 832-647. 832-? Do you have your mute on? Because we can't hear you. Okay, 832. Oh, you said something. Hello? Say something. We can hear you now. Did you want to talk? You pushed the number one. Yeah, go talk. I can't hear you. Huh? I can't hear you. I can hear you. I can. We can hear you. We don't hear Leroy, but we hear you. So go ahead and talk, John. Oh, go ahead. Come on, John. Listen, I um, uh, I I uh, I was I was listening to listening, reading over some of Byron's uh, uh, pamphlets that he had that I had uh, ran across, where he was giving some great uh, information on on your checking on your your, your deposit account. You know, when you work every week and you have a direct deposit, you know your funds are coming out. And you can take uh, a statement for each month that you worked that year, the deposit that's been deposited into that account, and at the end of that year, if I'm not wrong, now correct me if I'm wrong, you can actually do a 1099 on that and have all that those funds returned back to you. Is that correct? That is correct. That is correct, but it's easier. I just say it's more easier and convenient. To file a 1099-A stating that you are the lender, they are the borrower, and you check box five saying the borrower was supposed to pay taxes, and they didn't. So you're basically saying two things here. One, they're not tax exempt. The money that you deposit in the bank is supposed to be ta- is taxable, and that you are the lender, which makes you the creditor and the owner. Look at publication 1212. They're supposed to give an OID. Yes, publication 1212, page 7. They're supposed to give you the OID. So you need to request it from them, and you sum up everything on your state statements of how many checks you deposit, how many checks you wrote, or you debit. Those totals is what you're sending the bank saying, I need an OID, and you, or you'll put it on your 1099-A. And saying 1099. that the 1099A for abandonment. So you're going to check box five. So you total all those statements up. File a 1099A statement, hey, I'm the lender. You're the borrower. And I need you to send me and return the money back at publication 12. You have to fill out another OID and to give it to me. You're the payer. I'm the recipient. Now remember, people. When you do these OIDs, remember, let me make this one point because somebody screwed up. You do these OIDs, you're doing it 
with the second half of that publication, 1212, where the nominee is the payer and you are the recipient. You're receiving it. They're giving, they're returning it back to you. Some people went out there and they put themselves as the payer and put the nominee or the bank as the recipient. Why are you paying the bank? They got the money on the first OID that it talked we'll about. Money well, because actually they would have already been taking the money out, is it correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. And they re- mm-hmm. they received an OID, and I want to put a challenge on everybody later on when we get talking about that first OID where it says you're the payer and they're the recipient. So if I had a copy and it said they received, it said they received the 1099 OID. Who gave it to them? Because whoever gave it to them, how come I didn't get the carbon copy saying that I'm the payer and they're the recipient? So, therefore, if I go to court for a promissory note or a student loan or a credit card, I could show that 1099 OID, that first one, saying that I was the payer and they were the recipient. That's the open and closed case, and it came from the IRS. People with mortgages and foreclosures and student loans, if you can get that first ID they receive as a receipt showing they took the money out of your estate, it says that they are the holder of a debt instrument and they receive a 1099 OID with their tax pay, tax identification number and someone else's funds. So if they receive someone else's funds, that means they were the recipient and you were the payer because it came from you. It came from your estate. So your, you were, your estate was named as the payer and they were named as the recipient. So with that tax, yeah, so with that IRS form, you can get out of every single debt out there, people. Every single debt will be shut down because you showing them that you are the creditor. You gave them the funds. I'm just trying to let you know, people. Believe it or not, they call. Please call in if you got a uh, discussion because that's what I want people to find out. Who gave them that OID? Because they said they received the 1099. Well, who did they get it from? Well, we might be able to find out in a minute later on on here when we look at their uh, call it their operating circular number 10. Operating circle number 10, the banks is the borrower, and the Federal Reserve Bank is the bank. So we're going to look at that later. But I just want to ask you a question. You want to know, filling out the OID of the entity, if you give them a number, if you address it, because, you know, we got to give them notice. You give them notice that you were the borrower, I mean, you were the lender, and you could do that with the 1099A, and they were the borrower. And how are they going to argue that? If they argue, say, well, let me see the first 1099 OID you received in the first place, because that's where it says that I am the uh, the payer and you're the recipient. The but if they yeah. argue, if they argue or whatever, then you get maybe put tell them put it in writing, and then you go fill out the OID. You've already got you already totaled up your bank statement, and you because you put it mm-hmm. in the A, so you could just fill out the OID and attach the letter saying that they did not respond when you requested form. And I've heard people got paid. They got their OID back because they attached the letter to it showing that they wouldn't give me the OID 
when they are required to give it to you. Once they know who the owner is, that's publication 1212, and they're supposed to give each owner a 1099 OID, making them as the recipient. The owner is the recipient, that means you're receiving it, and they are the payers. The nominees are the payers. Okay, okay. Makes sense. That makes clear sense. Okay. So, yes. so actually, in, uh, the total, but it has to, it has to be for the every uh, every month when that bank statement comes in, you can take I can take that statement. I can uh, go in and, and have them to print out me a bank statement for every month, showing what has been deposited into that account. Also, what was uh, what if I pay bills out of that account? Also, that would be added in the total as well. Exactly. Exactly. But both of them required your autograph. I did a little research up on it, but I I, I wasn't too clear of it. And when I ran across some of uh, Myron's notes, it kind of gave me a better understanding of it. And so I just kind of wanted to clarify that. Yeah, because remember, when you deposit a check, then you have to endorse the back of it. Mm-hmm. When you wrote a check or you use your charge card, then you have to sign it. That's right. That's right. Unless unless it's debit. Yeah, well, if it's debit, the number is like your signature. Your your debit so number is like they they change like It's it's considered so a signature. Go ahead. So so you say, Mister Rice, that. Everything, every transaction that he did for that whole month on his bank statement, he can uh, use that number. What was going in and what was coming out. Exactly. Correct. Exactly. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Because all they needed was your autograph. You could have signed toilet paper. That's right. your autograph on there. They got you. They, they they can do what they can go into your account. And now you did a sign toilet paper. They can go into your account and draw money out. You gave them the authorization to do that with the signature. With the signature, or actually it's called autograph because AU stands for gold because the Constitution, Article One, Section Ten, only gold and silver is used for payment. Only gold and silver. <laughs> AU is periodic symbol. On the periodic table that represents gold. So, in other words, your signature is worth gold. They say your signature is worth gold. Now, I'm looking at a 1099A, and what what is that? What number do you put where it say account number? Are you putting your bank account number there? What what number goes there? On a 1099A, uh-huh. and, and you the you the lenders, you on top. Right. At the bottom yeah, would be right. the borrower, and the address and everything is for the borrower, and account number right. is for the borrower. Whatever account number the borrower has got the money in, that's what you're going to be putting under under there. So not your not your bank statement uh, account number. So you you no. not, you don't put that there. You put theirs there. I mean, yeah, well, because you need that because you don't know what theirs are, right? Yeah, you know, you know your account, you know your banking account number. Remember, ten ninety nine a. That's what I was a, asking. That's what I was asking. 
That's what yeah, I'm trying you got to find to, out. Do you put? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, you got to put no, their no, number. Wait a minute. Hold on. Because remember, an A is called an alert. I call it an alert. The 1099A is alert. You're alerting the IRS that these people took money out of your estate and they didn't pay taxes. So the IRS will go to them and say, hey, I got this account number and I got this amount under this estate. Do you have it? They're going to say yes. You need to transfer the money into your escrow account at the IRS. And that's what the A does. It allows IRS to go over to them and say, do you have this account number with this amount in it? Yes. Okay, well, I need you to transfer that amount into your estate, which is their EIN number, uh, or their escrow, which is their EIN number at the IRS. Now, you got you have a, a, an a, a, a escrow account, too, under your social. So the 1099-OID that comes next transferred from their estate um, escrow account over to your estate escrow account. So once it's in your estate escrow account, then you can file your taxes and bring it into your pocket or into your bank. If you don't have any money there, like some, some people are filing IDs and they say it's privileged. That means that there is no funds in that account. So you didn't do an A to get them to, for the IRS to go and get the money out and put it in the account. So the old that's why that that's why when they keep back out. Again, I said, and that's the reason why they're actually getting kicked back out because there's no funds in an account from the beginning. So how can they receive anything back because they haven't did the A, the ten nine nine A, in order for them to have the extra account money back into his account? Exactly, and that's what the word frivolous stands for. People are like what's frivolous? That means there's no money. I can't take no. If I don't have no money in the bank, they call it overdraft. But you know, the IRS says frivolous. We're not going to give you funds that there's no funds in there to give to you. So you have to do the A, so that the IRS, you're alerting the IRS that these people did not transfer the money uh, or give it back to me. So I need you to go go over to them. And I was a lender, as they could see when they look at the first OID, I gave it to them so they can go and verify that. No big deal. They can verify it with the first OID they received. But they could go get the money out of the account that you have down there and put it in their escrow account at the IRS under their EIN number. So this so so Byron, this also would apply with when the commercial court says you got a commercial court case dealing with the IRS, this would also apply as well, correct? Yeah, I remember when the IRS tells you you owe money, they giving you. If you look at the coupon, it says payment on it already. It doesn't say make a payment. The coupon is payment. a payment. They already know that the money is in the account, but you haven't accessed it, meaning you haven't filed it as a taxable. Uh, tax exempt with a taxable report. You still have to report every transaction. Every transaction is taxable. If they need to be reported, that don't mean you're going to pay anything, but if you put it on the right form, you put the right social number on there, then you will get it all back. You don't pay nothing because we are tax exempt because everything came from your estate 
in the first place? Why would you pay taxes on what came out of your bank account? Right. Makes sense to me. Okay. That's it, Carla. You got any more questions? Yes, uh, uh, yes, that that clarifies uh, everything. Up, I kind of understood right. it uh, from just reading from the from Byron's notes, but I kind of wanted to make sure that I was on the right page, the right track, as far as making sure that I had all the deposits that I came into my account, as well as mm-hmm. the transactions that went out of it. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and let me let me give you an example since you brought that up. Let me give you an example of what I think is great. <laughs> Let's say I have a $50,000 job, okay? okay. So mm-hmm. the, my, the, the, the job paid me $50 all year. And at the end of the year, the job gave me a W-2. Now, I convert that W-2, which was wages and income, I converted into labor. So, therefore, it's not taxable. So, in other words, I would have $100,000 uh, for that tax year so far. However, the $50,000 I deposited in the bank. So I get an OID from the bank for the 50000 that was deposited. And remember, I wrote checks out all year, too. So I'm broke. Mm-hmm. I'm broke. So, therefore, that's another. So that's $200,000 right there that you're going to get back. Fifty for the, what they pay you all year, Fifty from the W-2, Fifty for the deposit into the bank account, and Fifty for the withdrawals that I took out of the bank account. That's two hundred thousand dollars there. That's why I was saying that two hundred fifty thousand. It's it's low ball because we're not even talking about other things that might you might have done through the year. Uh, you bought a uh, grocery shopping, and yeah, you might have used your check, but in case you use cash out your pocket, you could use the receipts and file a ten forty seven for all the receipts you have for the whole year. Receipts now. So you didn't use a debit card. You didn't use your bank account. You used money in your pocket, and you bought something, and you got a receipt. You better make copies of them because they're using, I call it, invisible ink. Invisible. Yeah. You know. So you well, got, Myron, let me ask you, let me ask you something else. Yeah. Since most, from my understanding, that uh all of everything that we actually do here at the secure party is basically going to be dealt around 1099s and taxes and, and RS. Am I correct? So why not? I, I think it would be good if if we got more uh, calling or, or more uh, conference talks or more teachings on actually doing the 1099. Just like the young lady that was just asking when she the question. You know, if she had already known that I, that I could get the funds back that I had I had deposited into the account, and when she asked, well, what about the funds that going out, the checks that I wrote out? So, you know, by not having this knowledge, it's a lot of capital there that that falls that we just letting just laying there that 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 we could be using. Yeah, well, I, I mean that, that, that's that's the whole point. The the problem is finding a tax agency or a tax agent that that understands this, and they quit following you incorrectly where the IRS is getting money out of you that they shouldn't be getting a penny from you because everybody is tax exempt. Mm -hmm. Can you file yourself? Can you file? Can you, you know, they got that turbo tax 
do we have to go to H and R Block? Can we file our own taxes? Do our own OIDs if we want to? It's, it's up to the, their mentality. They they don't. I mean, even the tax people don't understand. But now I saw TurboTax says free, so they you can file it free online now. You don't have to pay for it. So why not try to figure it out? Because remember, even if you do it wrong, the IRS can correct it if you got the right tax form. You know, they can correct it. They do that all the time. Mm-hmm. I had a guy who filed. I'm sorry. I had a guy. I had a guy who he filed. We filed an OID for a bank account. He had sixty-two thousand dollars. We were looking. He was looking at, and uh, um, we filed a ten uh, a ten uh, a ten forty-one, and they had worksheets, and he put his bank on there. We wanted to get back sixty-two thousand. But the IRS corrected it for fifty-four thousand. How? Why? We don't know. But again, there's still some deductions in there under what publication? I gave you not publication. Twenty-six USC. Um, what was it? Number one. Twenty-six USC number one. Even as a ten forty-one, there are deductions. Two thousand one hundred and twenty-five dollars. Whatever it might be changed. But I'm just stating. Even if it's wrong, they could change it for you. And give you and do it correctly for you. But if you're doing it off of these programs, there shouldn't be any flaw. There shouldn't be too many flaws out there. If long as you inputting it, you just got to be a data entry person. You know how they say people are data entry. All they do is put in information. Well, you just got to be a data entry person in the right numbers, and everything should come out great. Everything should come out great. Now, you can only go back three years with the 1040, 1041. So if you want to go back further, then you need to look at a 709. Of course, that tax form costs a little bit more, but it's, it may be worth what your time. When I'm finding out the 1040, line 17, federal income withheld, is, in other words, you are identifying whatever tax, the, whatever charge that someone sent you, you're identifying with mm-hmm. a certificate of title. The 1040 is a certificate of title. So when you put it on line 17, you're identifying that charge as being, you know, you're identifying as being yours and, you, and you're reporting the taxes. So you know how on a, a OID, they got two forms per OID. You go to your credit report and look at all the charges, all those charges that these third-party debt collectors claim you had a contract with, they screwing up your credit. Well, you put that on an OID because you're underwear about the A because they were the one, they didn't initially take the money out in the first place. So you don't worry about the A. But they're OID because they, they are messing with you. The IRS is going to say, well, wait a minute. Um, your name is on here. You put it on a credit report. I assume you have a contract. We need you to give. And remember, your credit report has the first day that you open the account and the initial amount of the account. Now, what you owe, what was initially put on your, that you withdrew, that was initially withdrawn, guess what? Those, those third-party debt collectors are going to have to pay the IRS. We might be, we're wow. kicking them in the butt. So, so just say that you purchased a $50,000 car. That $50,000 car was repossessed. So, and they put that on your uh, credit report. Now, you can go 
and OID, the whole 50, what was the agreement amount, which you had on your agreement statement, uh, you can OID yes. the whole amount? Yes. And you put, the, and you put the third party debt collector name on there as the lender, you put their name, I mean as the uh, borrower, you put their name on there? The third they, party apparently debt collector. They, isn't that what they said they were? Now, actually, yeah. remember, you're doing an OID. You're not, the right. OID don't have borrowers and, and, and uh, lenders. Right. It has payers and recipients. You put them right. as the payer, you put yourself as the recipient. You want to receive the right. funds that right. the, that this so-called right. third-party debt collector claim that you owe them. Well, then give it to me. You're supposed to return it to me. It's a federal withhold because they're all federal, and they, they're holding the money because they're saying you owe it. They didn't give you a check for it. But the right. nice part about it is that yeah. let's say you had a $50,000 car, you paid on it for a year or two, and you got down to $30,000. Uh-uh. you going back up to the $50,000, and the IRS has got to go to them and say, give us the money in your escrow account because you the one that said you had a contract with them. And you the right. one that screwed up That's his credit. Right. Yeah. Wow. You went to court because a lot of times they go to court for a judgment. So if you go to court, court only deals with contracts. So apparently there's something you told them to make them feel that you had a contract. Maybe you didn't show up, so automatically you lost by default. That's a contract, and they would then they go and put it on your credit report. Well, that was only for thirty, but you you going back to the day they're gonna have the day you purchased it and the fifty thousand dollars you did it with. And that they took out, that's what you claim in the whole thing. Now, what about what about the original person that you got the car from? You know, they have their own in-house debt collector before the third party get to it. Now, what about if they put it on, on your credit report? Well, the, the originals, normally after 120 days, if they don't get paid, they, they send the money back. To your account, it's called charge off. The second half of discharge, and the second half off is the second half of set off. So they're taking care of it on the private side and the public side by sending the money back. Now, if they didn't do that, it doesn't matter. You still OID it. It don't matter. Your promissory note, whatever it was at the beginning, you OID that promissory note. Now, if the account is still active, if the account is still active then you can send them a 1099-A and say, please send me the OID. But it's not, if okay. it's not active, like a credit card or credit, your credit, that's not active. That's not really active. Then you go ahead and just OID the person who claimed you had a contract with them. <laughs> okay, caller, I got another caller. Thank you. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you, Byron. That was mm-hmm. very educational. I, I, I know I know what you're saying and um I'm on the right track with it. Thank you. Yeah, okay. I think I got some pictures. I got some pictures inscribed where if you don't understand the wording, look at my pictures. <laughs> look at my diagram and and I upgraded it. So make sure you get the right one. I upgraded the OID diagram. So you might want to look at the diagram inscribed under uh scribe dot com forward slash rice tech. Okay, uh, 561-337. Good evening. Uh, thank you for your time, um, Myron. Thank you. I have a question with the trust account. 
Now, I've um, written up my trust account. Now, can the trust account have myself and my wife's name in it? Yes. If it's in your trust and you're the trustee, when you say writing up the trust account, you're talking a trust requires an indenture. It's an indenture where you're telling the trustees what to do. It's instructions right, yes, to the trustee. Yes. So, right, you're telling you and your wife what to do, what what the trust is about. So, yes. Okay, so 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 we're the um, grantors, right? We should not be well, the trustees. Is that correct? In order to um, no, um, file not, a no. 1041? Yeah, when you do a 1041 and you do an estate trust, it doesn't ask who the trustees is. You know, I don't have one up, but all it does is, is, is deal with the money amount, how much you gross out, and the more you gross out, the more you get back from the deductions. Because you see from, if you look at 26 USC 1, it's, it's pretty constant. It's constant. Two, two, $2,125, no matter how much money you make, over 7500 So it should be constant. But it's only okay. about the money. They don't need to know the information. All, only thing the IRS want is to have you report the funds. They don't care about the people. That's why you could okay. file children and and grandma and, grandma, and the whole Kennedy. The whole Kennedy file under trust. They don't file individual taxes. All of it's done under their trust. So all you got to do is show them where the income comes. Now, I know 1041. Uh, if they had, do they still have worksheets? They used to have something called worksheets. Do they have worksheets still? Because they keep changing these tax forms. Do that 1041 have worksheets? Um, I didn't see any because I was reading the instructions. Okay, well, when we filed it back in 08 and did some OIDs, every worksheet was for every bank, every account, your OID. And they, they all have separate worksheets. And on the 1040s, they used to have Schedule C, but now they don't have Schedule Cs no more. They got one, two, and three, and whatever. Um, but the point is that you have to. I personally would just do a spreadsheet and put the, uh, you know, the name of the company, the EIN of the company, the taxable reported the taxable income, and total it all up, and then put okay. the total on the 1040 line 17 or the 1041 line 1 where it says interest. Okay. Okay. All the 1041 right. says, yeah. it, it says interest. It don't have no deductions. It don't have no exemptions. You you understand? You're just grossing out and you're taking a certain amount out. Okay, gross out. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Because because I was getting confused when I was um, uh, looking at the I, uh, the IRS form SS four. Yeah. It was asking me was it a um, estate, deceased, or was it a trust? And I kept and I was getting confused on that. You know because I know my bank when I asked them for to open up a non-interest bearing, I said estate trust. The bank was confused because an estate deals with the social, you know, and a lot of people put things on their social for the children when they die, they have their social, whereas the, the trust had an EIN number. EIN, okay. So they're looking, okay. okay, so they're looking at two different entities. When you say estate, they think it's close to the social, 
or you say uh, trust, which is an EIN number. So they're like, well, which one you want to do it in, Mr. Rice? You know, I'm like, well, I'm going to do it in the trust. And uh, they said, well, we need something from the state or the county that says you can do business with that name that you have. So when okay, you and that's bank, when the, the, the SS4 comes in. No, the SS4 is only requesting the EIN number or the 98 number for the state. It doesn't have nothing to do with operating in your state. Your state, you're going to have to go to the county or to the state to get, you know, to get licensed, you know, I don't know what they call it, tax ID or whatever, where you saying you're operating because they don't want anyone creating um, money laundering corporations. So they need to know that the state and the county knows or the county that they know you legitimate. The EIN number could be anything. You could you could EIN anything you want, but that doesn't make it legit. Okay. So okay, that's, right. so, all right. that's not the six ten form, is it, Mr. Rice, that we had to file with the court. That's not what you're talking about, right? The the the, 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 the six ten was the form you doing if you have an estate and you want to record it in probate then you do it okay. under the 610 and you name all, you know, you put the name of the state and, and deposit it in. Oh, so okay. your state is registered. You want your state, a state to be registered with probate. So when you die, it don't have to go to no judge and him hiring an attorney and they pretty much spending all your money up. You just say, well, oh. it's filed. And you just look at whatever you, you said who you want for your executor and all that, and you already have it recorded and probate. All right. Okay. Now I just now you just put a twist on this for me. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you, so which are you creating? You got to know are you creating a state or a trust? That's what, I'm, I'm creating I, a I, trust I, so I can get a non-bearing um, interest account interest right with the bank. Interest. There, you, there you go. There you go. And go so I'm going to get an interest-bearing account? Yeah, non-interest-bearing. Okay, non-interest-bearing. You don't want any entity, no entitlement at all. You don't want – it can't make money. Let's put it like that. You know how checking savings accounts have some interest that makes money, a CD has interest. You, you want non-interest. Uh, but let me okay. tell you this. If you're looking uh, – I think a faster way of doing it and killing two birds with one stone – is go down a, go down to the county and do a DBA. A DDA. No, DBA, doing business as. Okay, do a business as. Okay, DBA. And that way, that way you know it's registered with the county because you've got a DBA with them and you give it a name. And once you give it a name, then you go to the IRS and see if you can give it an EIN number. Okay, gotcha. Kill, I think that'll kill two birds at one time. Okay, all right. All right, so do a DBA, all right. Yeah, that way you know it's registered, because it's, it's the state is it's registered the name. No one else can use that name. Okay. And I think if you take that to the bank, you shouldn't have a problem with a non-interest bearing account. Okay. All right, so do a DBA. Then I go to the bank, and I open up a non-interest bearing account. And then I get the the um, EIN number. No, you need the EIN number before you go to the bank because the bank may not open it up. You want them to open it up under, under e, uh, EIN number. So you get the EIN number second, and then you go to the bank. Okay, I got you. All right, thank you. 
Okay. All right. Thank you, Carla. I'll just listen. And on let me. Okay. Yeah. And let me tell it. Let me let me tell listen audience. If anyone has any other suggestions, please by all means call in and, and and let let us know. We're not here. We know there's more than one way to skin this cat. I just try to find a nice, simple way of doing it. Not, I don't want to be complex because we're not dealing with a lot of people who is new with finances. This is all about finances. We are right. all banks, people. We are all banks. And because why? Because we are carrying Federal Reserve notes. Look at Title 12, USC 411. Only people who's part of banking is to carry Federal Reserve notes. So they're thinking you're a professional in financing because you are a bank. I got a bank as my secure party creditor. I have a bank. I'm a bank. And then I will send that bank and register it with the Treasury Direct. So I'm just saying we have to be more proficient in banking. And earlier I was talking about how you're going to put a non-interest bearing account. You're going to walk into your bank. And tell them I need a escrow account and take some of this money out of this non-interest bearing account and put it in uh, an escrow account and give me a line of credit and check. So you just converted private money into public money. They love you. They love you. And remember, all of this you claim at the end of the year with an OID. Isn't that sweet? Now you see why wealthy people stay wealthy. Thank you. The education and finances. We don't, we, like yeah. I said, we don't even know people who have trusted, so we know that they are not. They're not. And if you don't believe me, you go ask your tax people. You, you ever file a trust? I think someone came on earlier. They don't know nothing about a 1041. Ain't that a pitiful Well, We know you've been, <laughs> I hate to say, you've been dealing with some broke people. <laughs> That's all I have to say. They broke. And, and most people, I, I never heard about uh, 1041 until, you know, we I got into listening to you and other people about the trust and the, and the estates. My people never talked about no trust or anything. Yeah, well, again, and, I, and, have not, I have yeah, not and got educated by some millionaires. So, I, believe me. That I know a lot of their methods that you wouldn't believe what they do. And they I hate paying it. taxes. So uh, no, some people don't. with money, they hate paying taxes. So you know no. they got all kind of loopholes. They hate paying no. taxes. Ooh, it's something else. But anyhow. Now, go, going back to this, um, this 1099A, I want to have clarity on this account number. So the borrower, uh, you know, I have on my uh, bank account, which the borrower name is going to be there. That's going to be my bank name. So I put my um, account number, where it says account number, that's on my checks. You know, that's that's the bank account number. That ain't yours. That's the bank account number. That's the bank account. Okay, okay. Because I know yeah, the you... OID, it was something else. I had got them kind of confused at one time. It was a something else it asked for, an account number, but it was another uh, number. It wasn't. Okay. I got now, the OID, the OID, remember, is, is flipped. Mm-hmm. The script is flipped. They're going to have yeah. a uh, 
the 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 nominee or the bank is going to be the payer, and you are going to be the the uh, the recipient. You're going to receive it. Now <laughs> that's what a lot of silly people did. <laughs> they put the account number on the OID, and then they put the same account number on it on the O on. I mean, they, they I'm sorry, they put the account number on an A, a 1099A of the bank, mm-hmm. and then they put the same account number on the 1099 OID. So what you do? What yeah. you do? you just took money out and put money back into them. So the account and, and number under your name better be your bank account, your your non-interest account. Or your treasury direct account. Right. Not theirs. Right. right. Yeah. 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 Let me start. I'm glad no. you asked that question. Let me start. Yeah, I know people, did, they yeah. took money. The, the, bank was, the banks were laughing. You took money out and then you put it right back <laughs> into it. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you crazy? Like, <laughs> you, you took the money out of the A and then you put it back in on the OID. They really think you are really stupid. They know that I didn't know so what I was doing. I know, but I'm just saying that's how they looking and laughing uh-huh. in, the, in their conference room when they talk. So and so take money out, but when they put it back in, they put it back in the same account that they took it out of. Yeah, that's supposed yeah, to be yeah. your bank account at the Treasury Direct or at uh, at your local non-interest bearing account if it's a lot of money. Right. You know, I'm just saying. Right. If it's private, you want them to deposit. Right. I send you a yeah. check. You have them deposit in some in one of those accounts, so you're never liable. He who endorses last is the one that's liable. So you don't want to endorse nothing. You want them to deposit it. And if they do send you a check, send it back to them and say, please deposit in this routing and account number. That's yeah. one less headache. Because apparently the police and them are standing at the bank door waiting for you to walk out to throw you in jail. Mm-hmm. So that was a very good okay. point. I got you. You're right. The, whoever name on there, whoever on the bottom section, everything after that, the address is referencing to you or that person. You know that that person. So if you're the recipient on the OID, then the account number should be the one you're depositing to, and, and you may want to make a comment on the description. Deposit into Treasury, deposit into bank account, you know, something. You know, deposit refund into bank account, deposit refund into Treasury Direct. Now, another question. Now, the non-interest bearing account, um, it's just say that you have a trust account that you open up at the bank or you have your EIN private bank number. Do you use that private bank number to open up that account at the commercial bank or you use that bank account number, private bank number, to open up your a, your TDA account? Or can you do both? I'm not really sure the question, but if it's private, it really shouldn't be in, in a public entity. Keep it at the Treasury Direct. Okay. I know when, when when we open up our bank account and it's an 81 number or whatever, 82, whatever it is right now, we're private bankers. So we, we're going to be putting it into the Treasury Direct account because we're going to have enormous money coming in when we start cashing in our uh, <laughs> birth certificate 
and terminating those surety bonds that's out there. See, that's ultimately what we want to do, terminate the surety bonds that's out there. So, uh, and those funds are going to be so huge, you're going to want to put them at the Treasury Direct because you put them in that bank, they, they may go on holiday the next day and you can't get the funds. Oh, yeah. Right, right. So the bank, you should open that up with a uh, with a, a trust account number, you know, EIN number, your bank. And your yes. private bank account, you open open that up with the, the Treasury Direct account. So those two different. That's my, that's, that's my recommendation. Okay. That's my recommendation. Because okay. see, sooner or later, again, your bank is supposed to be your secure party creditor. It means they have all the equitable interests, titles, and rights of the child because that's what they're doing. It represents the child. That's what you I call them assignees or avatars. That's what the, what they are. They got the equitable right, title, and interest. So if that's the case, and they're no different than a nominee, why can't your bank fill out a 1099A acquisition and say, okay, um, here's a window sticker from a car for $50,000. I'm going to attach that to the A, an acquisition, and order the vehicle order the funds and have it uh, put into the estate. And then you do an OID from the estate over to the bank. Get it? That's what they do. That's that's what the nominees do. They fill out the OID, they get the money from the Federal Reserve Bank, and it's given to the ball would be the estate. Now the estate would transfer it on the OID, would transfer it over to your bank. Now your bank would give the dealership called a letter of credit. Look at Patrick Devine. He talks about letters of credit. They come from one bank to another bank. And that other bank, when they get that letter of credit, they go to what they call a TTL, uh, Treasury Tax and Loan. And that TTL is how it's converted. They take that letter of credit and convert it into cash money for themselves. Now you can go in there with a 1099B bartering or you go into it with a money order back in the funds that was given to the bank that your bank gave to their bank and just go pick up your vehicle. I know they don't want us to hear that. I'm not going to get into details right. on that because they don't want right. to know all of that. Right. I'm, just, I'm just trying to put a light at the end of the tunnel, people. This is what you Some of you are not set up to even do it. Don't even think about it because you're not set up to do that properly. So but just thought I mentioned it. There's things that you can do. And Patrick Devine bought him a truck doing just what I just described to you. So these are things that can be done. There's several ways you can purchase a vehicle. You can put a lien on a vehicle. There's ways you can, or you can buy the uh, I, I, you know, the 1099s and get the vehicle. There's so many different ways of doing it. Yeah. Because so, Mr. Cooper, is that his name? Coleman or Cooper? What was that guy's name that bought, that purchased a uh, seventy thousand dollar car. Was that? What's his name? Cooper. The, the mm, uh, I'm YouTube. Sure. Oh, Cole. What, what was his name? Was you his mean? Name? Uh, yeah, I got it. Booker. Booker? You mean Booker? I'm talking about Booker. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He showed how you could create your own money orders. Period. From nothing. Oh, oh he You could create yeah, and you. Okay. Yeah, you could create. You can go in there with a money order and create it out of your estate, and, and they have to give you the car. And if they don't, 
again, make sure you attach that that lien, that commercial lien on them and say, excuse me, if I don't get my vehicle within a certain day, I will be filing this lien on your corporation and your bonded person that I'm talking to. And see what see what hands be spent. Because when those little UCCs are filed, that their credit goes bad. Their credit goes they, bad. They are, believe me, they their credit goes bad over too. a piece of car. Huh? Right, because they will. They will. If they wasn't talking to you before, when you start doing that UCC, they will want to talk to you. Then I've seen someone do it, and them people hurried up and got things straightened out. Because the first thing they're gonna ask you, what do you want? What do you want? What do yep. you asking for? Yep. What do I have in box four? What do I have in box four? Okay, that's what I ask for. Give me what I get. What I put in box four. And don't be retaliating. Don't be trying to retaliate against me when you do pay me. That's it. Otherwise, I'm filing this OI. I'm filing this UCC1. And they can't stop you. They can't stop you. And again, remember you operate under the trust. So you should say, what does the trust says in box four? Because it's the trust. Don't say you. Don't put your, don't make it personal. Mm-hmm. Keep it right. always occupied of the trust. Okay. We have another caller. Uh, two eight one two two three, two eight one. Hello, hey, how y- how y'all doing? Great, right, great. Right. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, <clears throat> just wanted to uh, share some information, and um, it's kind of in the. I've been shot my shot. I'm trying to see what to expect at this point. Um, I'm the partner to to the brother that was on the line. A little while ago, saying he got the cars and stuff like that. Uh, on top of the cars, um, what I what I did, I did a um, I did an annuity policy for a hundred thousand dollars life insurance <clears throat> um, on a closed account. I notified the bank <clears throat> that the account the account has been closed for a few years. <clears throat> I also, not notified the comptroller after doing my investigation that the comptroller is the insurance over the insurance manager of all of the closed accounts for the state. So I also notified him as a, as a CPA. I also put the, uh, comptroller, the st- uh, not the comptroller, but the, the, um, uh, secretary of state on notice that I will be using that, that account for what it's supposed to be used for, for offset and discharge. And so once the they submitted the to me, the Secretary of State of your state or the United States Secretary of State? Both of them. Both of them, from my okay. understanding, are CPAs. And so I just want all of that. Men lie. Women lie. Them numbers shouldn't lie. So if y'all all accountants, whatever booking needs to be going on both sides, all of that should match up. So I put all of these accountants on notice that I'm going to use this account as well as the bank. Um, the The policy is kind of in the air right now. They they received a check the other day. They said they weren't going to receive, accept the check, but my, my insurance agent, who I've been dealing with him for about two months now, <clears throat> trying to bring him along as to what I was going to do, um, he was saying that based on all of their supplemental information, they see that there's no fraud going on, but they didn't want to accept it. So they, they supposedly sent the uh, original back, and they gave me the information their wiring information to utilize it 
myself, I told them I'm not sending a different instrument. I'm going to be utilizing that that account. So they sent over their wiring information, and um, hopefully Tuesday it, it went through. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I don't really know what to expect. I know that they, they I'm out of town right now, and they supposedly sent the original back to my, my Houston address, but I'm, I'm in Philadelphia right now, and I won't know if they mm-hmm. actually sent the original back. But right now, I, uh, on Thursday, I did a wire. I gave them my information so that they can manually input it themselves. And it's so, beautiful. Uh, it sounds like you know you got everything. You dot your I's and cross your T's. I would again. I would uh, personally file that UCC one, put draft right. on it. You know, <laughs> and put down that retail whatever it is you try to purchase. You know, put four times multiply by three, just to let them know I'm filing this. Either you you just can't not accept it. According to HJR one ninety uh, one one ninety two. What is it? One ninety two. Every right. obligation is discharged dollar for dollar. So that means any debt or anyone who gives you a debt is supposed to, they're supposed to take care of it. It belongs to the United States. It's not your debt. It belongs to them. So you take but care Mr. of your own business. Yes. This this, is this what happened, too. Um, this, this instrument got sent out the same time we did these cars in, in November. Actually, before we did the cars, I did this policy. And um, when I sent it out, they sent it out uh, registered mail, and it never left the state of Texas. For a month, it never left the state of Texas. So about two weeks into it being mailed out, they called me and would say, hey, did you send it out? Because I guess they was looking to get their commission check by a certain time. So I, I took a screenshot of the registered mail, and I guess they sent that over to underwriting. Underwriting probably seen that it had been sent off, and they went on and pushed the policy through even before they got the check. So it wasn't until a month later for me to I was getting ready to make a loan against the policy, and that's when they say, "Hey, we we never received your your check." And when I tracked it down, I went and got it, and that's why I had to resubmit it and everything. But in the meantime, I already have the policy. I have a security in my name valued at 1.8 million dollars. So I don't care what they do. I'm getting ready to go file it on my UCC. Yeah. That's beautiful, and, and and I don't understand. How did they know what was in your registered mail? Did you insure it or something for amount? Well, um, they knew that I was front loading the the account with a hundred thousand dollars, so they knew that it was an instrument for a hundred thousand. So that yeah, was, but the post office, you know, the post office didn't know that. The post office wouldn't have known that. No, they didn't. I, I, all I did was take a picture of the the you know the the stuff that I sent off. I didn't even put the insurance on it as I normally would to qualify it for that All amount. Right. I was broke. Right. So I'm I just to took out the, the bare minimum. What, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out what was the, 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 the hold back on, on the registered mail to be delivered. The post office it, is usually it, it was more just a mixed up. It, it was just a mix-up. It just never left the state of Texas. It went from one side of Texas to the other side, and then they delivered it back to my postal address, and it just sat there. That Did was, you do a tax secure with it? Did you do a tax no, secure? No, I actually paid for the red and white. Was that certified or certified mail? The red and white one? Was that registered? That's the registered mail. Registered. Yeah, oh. I, I sent it off to red and white, and I paid for it, but it just never left the state of Texas. So I reissued it, and when, when they got it the second time, that's when they were saying that they wouldn't accept it, the hard copy. But, 
you know, they would manually input it themselves. All they needed was the routing number. I don't think they wanted to touch the check. But they that account, they, they didn't seem like they had a problem because I told them, bold-faced, I'm not getting ready. I'm getting ready to send you all the same information. And they sent the, the information over. Well, that was well. Well, I'll definitely look to see the success in this one because it's something, you know, we can give a show to us. I'll give a show on because this song, I first time I ever heard of this. Yeah, I was the I like it. I appreciate so, it. I, I will keep you guys posted. Um, so I should know something Tuesday. Okay, I'm and, gonna give you my, not, my Skype. Okay, yeah, I've, I've been trying to get it because I, I got some. I got some 1099 LTC stuff I'm trying to do for some people too, and and I just know where to really turn to with that information. But but you, I even talked well, to my insurance guy about it one day, just trying to pick his brain. He's a pretty smart dude, uh, you know, uh, Albion, um, and he's a pretty smart guy. I'm, I'm talking to him and I'm asking him, is he familiar with this form? So oh, let me pull it up. So he's you no, know, he's plugged in with Westlaw and all of those those law sites and stuff. So he's pulling up, and there's six requirements that that they go by to qualify for the LTC, but on, you only have to have two of the qualifications. So as he was explaining the qualify, qualifications, I instantly thought of you. I was like, wow, I see how each and every person that goes to jail actually qualifying for this uh, long-term LTC based on the, the qualifications there. So Yeah. Yeah, because they, yeah. they don't have the corporations don't have no money. So where they get it from? They can only get it from the taxpayer. And and That's and it. so in other words, on the publication twelve twelve, the nominee in this case would be the warden. He is the LTC. He's the ward. The warden is the one for to give you the LTC. You write a letter to so, the warden and say, I want my uh L uh ten ninety nine LTC. You took so care of me for all you, and I have got people out of jail. They kicked them out when he when they asked for that, and the guy called me up and thanked me and said they're paying me for every day I was in jail. Now he's out, so, so you get out, you can't find a job. You got a chance of getting money every single day. The, these wardens is basically doing what the guy did in Shawshank Redemption. Then that's what's going mm-hmm. on every day, all day. Yeah, like. <laughs> Wow, they and they're they, right they, they drawing money. They are drawing money from you every single out of your estate to take care of you and and buy you clothes and heat and light, whatever. But the point is, right, uh, right, asking for it. And 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 you OID the judge that put you in jail as well. His to his judgment that got you there. You OID the judge. You LTC the warden. And I'm pretty sure you don't need a job. You don't have so much. You don't have enough money to take care of you probably the rest of your life. And and you say thank them. You, in other words, you was on a paid vacation. Isn't that sweet? Isn't it? Isn't it sweet? Yep. This is what I'm trying to tell people, man. Like they they talking about a car and they talking about this. I'm like, hey man, you looking in the wrong place, man. Your back belt. You your belt belt is loaded with your utility belt, and you're not using it, man. You wanting a car, and you wanting to do this, but if you really look in your belt belt, everybody who I'm talking about, and they know I'm talking about this some time, and they out here trying to buy a car. You quit playing with yourself, man, and go get your money, man. Yeah, and then you have enough to buy the car, and then file it on your OID at the end of the year. Boom, you got your money right back again. There's, there's exactly. Not, you look at these things, people, I'm talking about, 
they're always a win-win because everything has been prepaid. But you acting like you got to come out of your pocket. Anything you come out of your pocket, you're supposed to get it back because it's already paid for it. You're paying it twice. You are not claiming it properly. That's the only thing that's happening. No one is showing you how to claim it. And a lot of these people, even your insurance guy, they still really don't know what you what, what we're doing here, what I just no. talked about today. They don't know. Mm-hmm. They weren't meant to know. Matter of fact, I was surprised. I went to a couple of tax agencies, and they didn't even have the Internal Revenue Manual 6209, which shows you about the tax rates and the tax class. They didn't even have the manual in the building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they tried to access it online and was not able to get it online. We even had a guy, we called him at his house and said, well, he worked for a tax company. And I said, well, go look up the 6209. He couldn't get it. I said, what kind of internet you have? Well, I got the same one the job has. They let me use it at home. <laughs> That's why they can't get it. <laughs> yeah. Intentionally keeping them in, 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 in the kiddie pool. <laughs> Got them in the kiddie and, pool. And, and treating us more like slaves. And that's why they say we don't need to know it. Because we're still U.S. citizens and we're slaves. But we are Americans first. Your birth certificate at the top is where you were born. A three-dimensional breathing person. At the bottom with the register, he made you into a two-dimensional piece of paper. They, they killed you off. And made you the birth certificate, but the top of your birth certificate, the day you were born, that the, 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 the judge, I'm sorry, the doctor said, I certify this child was born alive. Boom. You're three dimensional. But at the bottom, that date at the bottom is when you were birthed. And boom, they made you dead. So people, y'all want to keep walking. And I always like watching them. I used to love watching them walking, the living dead walking. That's what we are. Now I realize what they're talking about. And only a few people are really alive in three-dimensional world. And that's the ones that had died yet. But all the dead people were back walking around as if they, as zombies, as if they, you know, so supposed to be living. And they're not living. They're all dead. We are all walking dead, people. They just don't know where your body's at. And when they call, when you go and when you actually physically die and they take you to the funeral home and then to the gravesite, the paperwork for those two entities is put on your birth certificate. Now they know where you're laying. Because that goes on the back of your birth certificate. Now it's a complete form. You are completely dead and gone. But call it. Thank you for that information. And it's good to know that people, there are folks out there got different stuff. And it seems to be doing pretty good. I hope you're able to call next Sunday and say, you know, better uh, advice. Call. Okay. Uh, uh, caller, okay. That, that, that'd be fantastic. I appreciate that. Thank you so okay. much, Beverly. All right. Okay. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Okay. What is, his, what is your bye. name, caller? What's your last name? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Clark. Do he want to give us? Wait a minute. Hold on, caller. Uh, Now you're back on. Go ahead. Clark. Clark. Okay. All right. Thank you, Mr. Clark. Not a problem. Okay. And I hope the the things that we talk about is of interest to him. 
Now, let us move yes. on. What are we talking about today? <laughs> That's a good stuff. <laughs> OIDs. We've been talking about <laughs> We've been talking, talking about, about OIDs. Yeah, yeah. I, the point is, Publication 1212 is telling you how the nominees receive an OID. And the question I ask is, receive it from what? Well, who, who do you receive it from? Because I didn't get a carbon copy, but I know my state name is on there. But why didn't I get a carbon copy? So what I want to first start off is Title 12, USC 412. You all should have it. Where's my mouse? Got a two dual screen and I can't find my mouse. Okay. All right. Um, there were some essential things here. Look at the title. Applications for Wait a minute, where are you at? Where you at? I'm at the title. I'm reading the title. Twelve USC four twelve. Oh, four twelve. Okay. All right. Title twelve, USC four twelve. Applications for FRNs, that's Federal Reserve notes, by the Federal Reserve Bank. Collateral required. Collateral required. And then it's, it's and it states down there, any Federal Reserve Bank may make applications. So the Federal Reserve Bank is doing an application uh, to the local Federal Reserve agent for such amount of the Federal Reserve notes herein before provided for as it may require. So the question is, people like, you know, where the Federal Reserve notes come from? How am I paying for? How am I applying? How's it applying to me? Well, they're sending an application. The Federal Reserve agent is taking an amount of the Federal Reserve notes, and they're probably handed over to the treasurer, who eventually winds up giving them Federal Reserve notes. And then they say they loaned you money. But actually, they took the money and put it in a demand account at the Federal Reserve Bank. It's in a, an account at the Federal Reserve Bank because they never sign a contract. You, you only sign an agreement. Your signature or autograph is the only thing that's on your promissory note, your application, your uh, mortgage, or we some people call it deed of trust. It, it's only your signature, not theirs. They don't sign anything, so they can't take anything. All they could do is deposit it into an account, and then they use it. As what? As I told you, how do you take private money and make it public money? They put a line of credit on your application, on your promissory note, and they get checks off of that application, off of that uh, uh, the the uh, line of credit. They get uh, checks on that line of credit, and then they go out and they buy your house with it, buy your car with it, and invest it in the market and make money off of your application. They get what is called an advancement of 90% over whatever you ask for. So if you ask for $100, uh, uh, $10, they get 100 because we don't ask for enough money for them to work with. So they multiply 90%. So $10, will, after they were getting $100, $100 back. And anyway, it says, first paragraph, such applications shall be accompanied with a tender to the to the Federal Reserve agent in, in, of collateral in equal amount. What is collateral? The second paragraph. The collateral security thus offered shall be notes, draft, uh, which is checks, 
bill of exchange or banker's acceptance required. So in other words, whatever you sign, application, promissory note, that is called collateral. And collateral is required for them to fill out an application for Federal Reserve notes. Now, if you look in the middle of the paragraph down, it says, in no event, that's in the middle of the paragraph, the same paragraph, in no event shall such collateral security be less than the amount of Federal Reserve notes applied for. So whatever is on that check, they're supposed to be getting those Federal Reserve notes, nothing less than that. Now, they do have what they call advances, where they do the 90% above that, but Right now, they're just basically saying that the, the, the collateral, whatever they ask for, is what they get. And then, again, let's go into the operating circle number 10, because I don't want to move too fast for you, but you can review this later. I just want you to see that this one here, this it was this law, this code that got me involved in all of this information. When I found out that everything that I signed or autographed is that they're able to go back through the through the Federal Reserve Bank and they fill out an application, which we're about to look at now, on that application, operating circle number 10, and they fill that out, but the banks go through, the banks themselves, the member banks that we go to, they, fill, they go to what is called a, a discount window. And they put, they give them the requests along with our application, uh, uh, for applications for whatever loan is we're looking for or promissory notes that we're signing or um, a credit credit uh, like credit card application we give they're giving it to the Federal Reserve Bank through a window they call it the uh, uh, discount window and then the, the Federal Reserve banks are filling out the uh, application and giving it to the Federal Reserve agent which then is given it over to the uh, the treasurer, and the treasurers wind up, you know, the secretary of treasury, and they wind up making Federal Reserve notes and stuff and sending them back. They call them um, circular notes, they're blank. And they send it to the Federal Reserve Bank, and each Federal Reserve Bank put their stamp on it. That's why you look at the dollar bill, they all got different stamps, A, B, C, D. So they, they give them blank notes. And the blank notes are stamped at the Federal Reserve Bank because that's the one who asked for it. Once the Federal Reserve Bank put their stamp on it, then they give it to the banks, the member banks that filled out, you know, that send them the uh, applications and everything through their discount window. So your bank, whatever bank you went to, they give it to the Federal Reserve Bank, and then they eventually going to give it back to your bank who's eventually going to give it to you as a loan for your car, house, or whatever. So, but what I want to do, if you have that operating circular number 10, and go into the uh, defined term, section 2.0, or 2.1, or 2.1 called defined term, and just define what a bank is. The bank is the federal, it's a means, hold on a minute, it's a like bank means is a Federal Reserve Bank. It means the Federal Reserve Bank is the bank in whom district the borrower, because remember, every member bank is under a district of a Federal Reserve Bank. Every member bank in, in Michigan, our bank is Chicago. Our Federal Reserve Bank is in Chicago. 
That's for the district. However, everyone, the letters on the back of your social security tells you the bank that your account is opened up in. So every time we go to Chicago, Chicago, if it deal with me and my bank is the E, which is Richmond, Virginia, then they go and get the money from Richmond, Virginia, gives it to my district bank, uh, Federal Reserve Bank, which in turn gives it to the member bank. So it's, <laughs> things are circulating, and, and I, hopefully I'm not getting too complicated here for you all. But I just want to let you understand that the bank is a Federal Reserve Bank, and the borrower, if you go down to the borrower, is the entity that incurred the obligation to the bank. So when you fill out that paperwork, you gave them a check. The bank that you gave it to is considered obligation. Look at the term deposit. I don't have it written now in the code for deposit. Deposit is a collateral, is an obligation of the bank. It's not yours. It's their obligation. They owe you because you gave them your autograph. You gave them a credit. Under the GAP, GAP, General Acceptance uh, Accounting Acceptance Practice, GAAP, you know, where they have uh, liabilities and debits and stuff. You are on the, on the credit asset side. The liability is there. So borrower means an entity that incurred an obligation to the bank. So when you fill out that application, you basically made that bank have an obligation. It almost like you deposit a check in the bank and, you know, you have that credit. So they are the borrowers. So, 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 so when we go and fill out an application, any kind of application, a car application, the home application, the loan application. So, you saying when we fill that out, we making them the what? The borrower. They got the, They the borrower. They have to borrow the money. They they fill out when that application filled is filled out by the Federal Reserve Bank. Your bank becomes the borrower. It's an obligation that you gave the bank. It's an obligation to the bank. When you fill out those applications, you can you have the asset. They become liable because you know it has to be balanced on both sides. Mm-hmm. So you gave them an application, which is like a check or a check or whatever, and the check is ten dollars. But they have to be a, a liability for ten dollars under the bank under the accounting law. You gotta have a balance. The liability has to be the same as the asset. You have a you have an asset. The bank now has the liability, and so they take that to a discount window. You no, know, you know it's your discount. You now we know what this a discount come in. They take it to a window to give to the Federal Reserve Bank, which in turn fills out the application, and he gives they give that to the Federal Reserve agent, which give it to the Federal Reserve system which is like the board of the Federal Reserve, it's like the board overall, the Federal Reserve system is like overall everything on the debtor's side, on the debtor's side of the equation, because we're doing everything on the debtor's side of the equation because we're dealing with debt instruments. OIDs, Federal Reserve notes, these are debt instruments. So we're on the debtor's side of the equation, and we deal with the, and that's why we're dealing with the Secretary of the Treasury, because the secretary of the other makes it part of the debt side. They're dealing with the debtor side, not the treasury department. The treasury department and the internal revenue 
is on the de jure side. And we're dealing with the de facto. So I just wanted wanted to show you and, and point out, and if you go down to uh, on this uh, operating circular number 10, they got appendix of the application of package. You want to go to appendix 3 and scroll down to appendix 3. And I think it's a 52-page document or something like that. But you have here appendix the application package for U.S. borrowers. Uh, the U.S. borrowers, which is the banks, uh, desiring capacity to request to borrow funds from the local Federal Reserve Bank should submit the following document forms of which are included in this appendix. And it's a letter of agreement, a certificate, uh, the uh, authorizing resolution, official uh, OC-10 authorization list. And the list is basically of all the collateral, all the checks, and the promissory notes, and uh, uh, money orders, and all those things that we signed and gave out, it's got to be included. Because remember, 412, 12 USC 412 says collateral required. Required. So without, without your check, without your money order, without your promissory note, they don't have anything. Period. And uh, Mr. Ryan, we have another, we have another caller. And I just okay, I want to say, pe- people that's listening on the uh, Internet, we're going off the Internet in seven minutes. If you want to continue to listen, you have to listen through your telephone. Uh, area code 313-408, 313-408. Peace and love. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy, New Happy New Year to you. This is Mary. Hey, Hi, how are you? I'm good. Um, I just wanted to say that regarding the you have twelve banks, uh, those um, those banks. It's twelve of them, and yeah. if you were born in Michigan, your bank would be in Chicago. My bank is in I think I remember it right in Georgia or something because I was not born in Michigan. That's all I wanted to say for now. Regarding that. Well, I was born I was born in Michigan and my bank is Georgia too. Okay, okay. So you know what I mean, Beverly. Yeah. You you you're confusing your bank on the back of your social security card with the district bank. Every every bank in a certain area and I think it's Michigan, Indiana and Ohio and Chicago is that one central bank that does all their checks. But when they get there, they will locate the bank on the back of your Social Security card and get the funds from that bank or return funds funds to that bank if anyone makes money. That's how they return funds to the bank on the back of the Social Security. But it's your district. Every bank has a district. And I, I do have a list of what banks are in what district. I think we're in District 7. Well, I'm sure we, we're, we're, we're talking about the same thing. It's just that. I just wanted to make it clear because some people on listening might think when you say Chicago, that's their bank, but it depends on where their uh, that birth certificate was, uh, uh, you know, registered where they were born. Yeah, 
No, it, those are two separate. The, the Social Security and everything is two different, two different banks. You know, one is for one bank per district. Like I said, only twelve banks, and they have to be scattered through the United States. And and all the banks in that area have to talk to that one bank. Now it's up to that one district bank who goes uh-huh. to the individual people and their birth states to get the funds from it. Okay. I, well, I think that you 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 had um, gone beyond that, but that's what I discovered trying to learn that process. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. trying to learn trying to learn what I'm learning. You know, I'm just uh, like a. Tur- a turtle or something moving slow, but that that that's the, that's the thing that I as long as you do it, yeah, as long as you get it right, you don't matter. Comment on as long as you, huh? Yeah, I said, as long as you get it right, that's what's important. It don't matter where you where you how 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 fast you're doing it. That's that's not the well, question. Yeah. How fast? Well, yeah, uh, yeah. It seems like though you say as long as you get it right, I have made a ton of mistakes. Um, because for me, this is almost learning to speak another language or something for me, hearing a lot of this. <clears throat> and so I've made a ton of mistakes, but I'm not going to ever give up. Uh, I'm hoping that I can help it clear up. We, we've done enough seminars, and it looks like it might be time for us to start all over again. So I know I'll be who I'll be calling. <laughs> I hope you are ready. Well, so I'm we, ready. We, I've, I've had some, some bumps. And hiccups and all that stuff, but I'm well, ready. As, you know, you have twenty four seven with me. You know? I'm like Myers, according to you. Uh, you can call me anytime. Well, thank you for the invite. I, and I'll be listening, Myron. It's just that um, I'm so I'm moving so slow at things, and so many things keep going on that I I don't feel like I can really contribute anything. But when you mentioned about the bank, through just through me uh, paying attention and stuff, I, and I, I figured out that my bank was not there, but that my bank was in Georgia. Matter of fact, I, I'm thinking that I still need to send the governor and some people down there where I was born more paperwork so that they can know who I am. So, you, in other words, and, and you, me, go on, Beverly. I'm sorry. I, I see a big difference in you, Mary. I remember when we started out. I, your conversation is different, so I, I'm I'm seeing you might not think you understand a lot, but I you do understand way more than you did when you first started. And don't feel bad, you have you're not by yourself. I made a lot of mistakes too, but I learned from each of those mistakes I made. I learned from them. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, thank you for noticing, <laughs> and thanks for you for telling me because me being with me. I can't tell that, you know, and yeah, I do study it different. Yeah, but every group that I'm affiliated with, uh, they're not on commerce like Myron is, you know. They're on different things, but I, I, I uh, do study because what, what, this what is bank you say? Your, what, what bank is on the back of your Social Security card again? Well, I think it was the same as Beverly. See, I was born in Mississippi, so I think Beverly is at the same place. Well, same bank. I don't know yeah. what state you was born. I forgot. Well, yeah, I'm going here. I, I know. It's Georgia. You want the number? Georgia. Please? Georgia. Because yeah. uh, I'm looking at, okay, I have in front of me the Federal Reserve Banks. There's 12 banks, but Georgia is not one of them. So you're, there's a letter on your back, but it can't be Georgia because 
The first district is in Boston and has Connecticut, Massachusetts, Maine. Oh, New you're looking Africa. at the districts. I'm not. I'm oh, looking at the districts. districts. And see, and that's a difference yeah. then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Michigan, Michigan is in the seventh district. Uh, it's Idaho, most of Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, and Wisconsin. We're under the seventh one, which is the bank in Chicago. And then there's one St. Louis, Minnesota, Kansas City, uh, you know, one, two, three, you know, Boston is District 1, New York District 2, Philadelphia is District 3, uh, Cleveland District So they got four. 12 district I, banks as well as 12 Federal Reserve banks? Yeah, they got, they, each bank has See, its own district. Ah, but not necessarily the same district that you're in. It, where you're living, because anything, anybody, any banking you do here in Michigan is always going to go to Chicago. Now, from Chicago, it'll go down to the Federal Reserve Bank. But you, 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 you saying you uh, Georgia? What was that again? Well, uh, F. It's F. Mine's okay. It's, it's F. I don't know yeah. what F. I'm E. Yeah. E is Richmond. Yeah. E L. Yeah. What's when F? I looked F? it up, it was Georgia. When I looked F up, it was Georgia. But I don't, I don't even see a Georgia on here. That's a no, not part. the district. That's that's the district. I'm talking about the federal, the, the federal reserve, not the district. Right. Yeah, but again, there's only, but there's still only twelve federal reserve banks that you can have on the back of your social security card. There's only twelve banks that you can have. It, the district is only telling how each bank has their own district, but each bank. Uh, is not the one that's on the back of your social security. That could be a whole different bank. But but anytime you do banking in Michigan, it all all the transactions must go to Chicago. Now once it gets to Chicago, then it goes to your bank that you have on the back of your social security. But that's Georgia what I'm talking about. But it was F on there, Georgia. What's the F is? Well, do it have an F? I don't on know. There? Oh. I they don't have the letters. They don't, I don't have the letters here because I'm just looking at the district. I'm not looking at the, the different uh, banking. I, 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 let me see. I should have it. Uh, because I had it. I had it a couple of, last year or something. Yeah, but I don't see it else. I need to look. I don't know. Ask somebody raise a hand and tell us what letters represent which bank because I'm yeah. E and, my, and, and E is Richmond yeah because yeah. I remember looking oh. mine so. what is yeah. I look mine so one too, Beverly. Mary. yeah pardon me I say y'all remember what your number is do you I mean your letter um, no I'm not you looking at my social letter? security card but oh, I think okay. the letter okay. I think the letter was F also but I'm not 100% sure yeah yeah, so I, don't know. It, it, I had a list. I had a list with all of the with the twelve reserve banks and the letters to them. Right. Right. I have all to right, look it well, up. I, I just don't see. I just don't see them as one of the district banks. But and there's only no, twelve. Not, so let's say added one that wasn't on. Let's say added a district that's not on the back of that card. Oh, your card. I, I don't see why they would do that. But we never the know. back of the but, card. It's not the district, is it? I thought the back of the car no. was the 12 Federal Reserve. Yeah. 
and it, it's spoiled banks uh, this week. So I just assume that you know the banks were alarmed, but maybe they're not they're not graphically in a in a correct place. So maybe they added some others. Well, if you but get anyway, to this, for next Sunday, if you talk about this, I can have my information ready to explain about the bank that's uh, assigned to me. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, see what y'all. I'm gonna look and see if I can find my le- my uh, list that I had too. I got another and, and caller. So, Go ahead. You finish, okay, Mary? then. Okay, I hang out, Mary. I'm good. Anything no, else? Okay, right, Mary. Finish. Thank you, Mary. Okay. You thank another you. caller might be answer the question we were asking for. Go ahead. Uh, let's caller. see. Four zero five five six eight. Four zero five five six eight. Peace, peace and love, family. How you doing? Peace and hey, love. Hey, Mel, how you doing? I'm good, sis. Um, I was looking up at the 12 banks of the Federal Reserve, and it was, it's really vague. I was trying to look it up as y'all was speaking. But my question is, like, okay, so if I'm born in Guam, my, my father's in the Air Force, I'm born on, in Guam in a U.S. territory, like, I mean, different country, but... In a, and I didn't get my social security number until I was like seven in Colorado. So I'm wondering, I mean, are those two different separate bonds? Or, I mean, I know they are, but I mean, yes. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, I difference? believe when every, I believe I believe when everyone is born, they get a social. But I know I didn't get mine until I was eleven when I had my first job. That's when you got your social security. But I think we had our numbers even when we were born. They just gave it to us when we got to the right age. But it, it, it's it's the one not Guam wouldn't be on the on the banking reserve. Uh, the one you said in the United States that you started when you were working. That's probably where everything started. Mhm. Okay. So I mean, follow the social security, like follow where I got the social security number, not necessarily the. The territory I was born in in Guam. No, because I'm mean, no. You know, I get the birth certificate and then the certificate of birth. I mean, um, those two different documents. But, but I mean, those might be different. But look on the back of your social security. The letter on the back tells you where your account is opened up right now. That's where all your money goes into. Okay, so so focus on that that social security number then instead of the birth certificate. The letter on the back of it, yeah. The letter on the back. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and it's in red. Right. It's usually in red. Yeah, you be a red letter, and then there's uh, eight, eight digits that follow, something like that. Yeah, I'm about to go look at it right now. I'm about to look yeah. at it. Okay, thank you. And I am surprised. Usually I have it right here in front on my uh under banking, and I don't seem to do that. That is crazy. And so we we have we have a Federal Reserve uh, in Michigan. So who, what is that? What is what district is that? Why you just don't use the Federal Reserve? You know we have one on Warren Avenue, right? Yeah, this one over there, but I'm not. I think that one is like a, what do you call it, a distribution for the one in Chicago. 
Oh, you know. Okay. I think that one so mine, for the one. Mine is mm-hmm. a C. It starts with a C. Okay. Oh. And uh, oh man, I used to I used to know them, but you know it's been so long ago. I'm trying to find them here. <coughs> and I should be able to look this number up on um on the uh, on the stock on the um Nasdaq or the stock exchange, right? Yeah, they really. I think I had to. Yeah, I think I had to say it. IRS uh, banking uh, numbers, letters, bank, bank letters, or something. Um, wow, I don't remember what we call it. IRS bank letters. Because none of mine I, is in red. All of mine are in blue. It's C. It's a C four six five. It's, it's a C. Is it? But is it nothing in red? Blue. It's not in red. They're all in blue. It's all in blue. Hmm. I'm looking at it. That the original one. It's all in blue. It's no red, and that's okay. that's strange. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's some kind. How long ago did you? How long ago did you get it? I got it when I was seven, seven years old. So that was shoot. That was forty years ago. But it's all in blue, and it and it should be and it should be red. At least the first, and all mine is in red. All my numbers are red. Wow, all of mine are blue. All mine is too. All mine are red too. Mm. And I was, that was but I didn't like I said I didn't get my social security until I was eleven. When I had my first job, then I then I gave me my I went and got my social security card. Well, yeah, my mom, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, my mom. My mom got me and my little sisters at the same time when I was seven. She was just born, and and our digit is. I mean, it was in sequence. Our digit is just one one digit off. I mean, hers ends in a uh, seven, and mine's in a six. But it's all in blue. It's weird. Well, it's I'm significant to that, so I don't know what it is. Mm. Okay. Well, thank you for taking my call, and and as always, thank y'all for this great information. Appreciate y'all. All right. Appreciate I have a, now. Thank you. you. Yeah, I have mm-hmm. a link here that talks about usbanklocation.com. Check routing and numbers. I'm trying to Federal um, well, I, I assume it's up on bank, bank, U.S. bank location. I'm not sure. Let me copy that and put it. U.S. bank routing, because you're right. It's, this might just be for the uh, regular banks and their routing numbers. Anyway, so I want I just, actually, we did it. What I wanted to show is how I had a little bit more, but we'll work on it next week. Um trying to find out how they're taking money, how they're getting money out of our state and bring it over to our banks for the loans and things like that. So, again, that Operation Max or that 412 explain what they're doing in general. The operating circular number 10 gives you a little bit detail about it. And, of course, of course, publication 12, 12, page 7 tells you what, each of these people are doing what the nominee, they call them nominees, we call them uh, public trustees or fiduciary trustees. That's the term I want to use more often. 
fiduciary means that they have an obligation to you, not to the IRS, not to anybody, just to you. So when you talk to them, say, look, fiduciary, uh, you fiduciary is violating me, and that, that's a breach of trust. That's a breach of fiduciary duty of the trust. Very serious crime for a trustee not to do what the trust has asked them to do. That's a serious crime. So anyhow, folks, okay, well, um, we have some very good conversations today. Um, yeah, really good conversation, okay. really good questions. Yeah. We learned from and I the questions give, that's asked. Go ahead. Yeah, let me give you my Skype ID. And again, folks, don't got me with a bunch of questions that you should have been asking on the show. Call in and ask on the show. And we got to hang up and then call me and ask me questions. I'm not going to answer them. But my Skype is RiceTech6557, R-I-C-E-T-E-C-H-6557. And, again, I have a lot of forms, and I'm going to probably add some more on there on Scribe. That's S-C-R-I-B-E dot com, scribe dot com forward slash rice tech. And you'll see I have OID diagrams and I update it so we can get the latest one. Got my forms are kind of over there. I put several in this that's the last, you know, last year. So, and uh, that's about it. Again, looking through that operation manual, the operation circular, the question I'm putting out there to listeners. Who gave the nominee their first 1099 OID? Because once we know who gave it to them, because they said they received it, did, did it come from the Federal Reserve Bank? According here, they may need to it come from the Federal Reserve Bank. Well, maybe we need to contact the bank and say, we want to get a copy of that. We should get a copy, copy of whatever copy and We are the... the uh, because if we have a copy, if we're able to see that copy, OID, from the bank or whatever, IRS form to 9 OID, we can go into any court and I guarantee you telling them this is proof that I was the lender in the first place. Mr. Wright. So how can they pay for money? Yes. We have another caller. Uh, By all means. Seven, seven, two, four, five, seven, nine. Seven, two, four. Uh, yes. How are you? Great, okay. great. Um, I had a question about the, uh, you know how the uh, utility companies send you an original, you know, the payment coupon in the mail for you to pay back, whatever. Uh, you know how you uh, turn that into the um, the money order? And then you um, also fill out the forms 1040V, the 1096, the 1040, the 1099OID, and also the 8281, and you send all that to the IRS. Now, when you send a copy of the the payment coupon, do you also send all those forms to that company as well, or is that just for the IRS? Uh, the, the method you just described, I have a size idea what you're saying. I, I would never do all of that. Matter of fact, someone told me the other day, and we don't have time today, 
But if you type in under Google, final OID table, final OID table under Google, you'll get a chart. And on the left-hand column, it's got a list of banks. And those banks are considered, they are the um, issuers. So that 8281 is not for you. That 8281 is supposed to be issued by the banks are giving it to the IRS to create that chart that I just gave you. Because if you look at the 8281 section 2, if you look at that chart, final OID table, you will see all the information that's in section 2 is on that chart. You wasn't supposed to turn that in. So I don't know where you're getting that information from, but it's incorrect. You are not. You are not in, you're not the issuer. Okay. Hey, are you by a computer right now? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. Well, look up again, final OID table, and you will see that everything that 8281, and I know Gene Keating talked about it, and it's probably somebody who claims people don't read, but he don't read, because the information on that paperwork is what the corporations, they are the issuers. You'll see the list of the bank, Bank of America, all them banks, and it got their E, it got their accusive number right next to it. It's got the uh, the Security Exchange Commission date it, that it was in, that it was put on the market and when it's supposed to expire. All those things you don't know. They know that they gave it to the IRS and they put it on that chart. So uh, you know that's why I say, I'm not sure when you say 8281. I, I'm like, oh, that was just crazy. The only thing you need to be sending in with your coupon is a 1099A. And when you're telling them that you're the borrower, you're the lender, and they're the borrower, and they're not paying taxes, so you check box five. You're supposed to pay taxes because you borrowed. Because that's what the publication 1212 says. They received the OID. So they received okay, the you, OID. Do you do the same thing for your mortgage? Same thing. All you need to do is claim. Get the original amount of the mortgage and OID it. Yeah, you can or you could send them an A and see if they're gonna respond and give you a request for the OID and send them an A and see if they give you the OID. If they give you a letter or something responding to you saying no, they weren't gonna give it to you, then you fill out the OID. You are the uh, reciprocate, and the bank will be the uh, uh, the payer. Because that's what the second half of publication twelve twelve it tells you how to fill out the OID. Publication 1212 tells you how to fill out the OID. Well, as we talked earlier, where it says account number, you put the account number you want them to put your money in. You don't put the account number that you got the money out of. You put the account number the money you want that you want them to put it in. Because you are the payer. You're the recipient. They're going to send you the money, and you want them to put it in an account. You don't want to get a check. But the point is being that you want to be able to, you know, OID it. So, but the OID is used to, to return it back to the original, the principal. That's what the OID does on the second half of the OID. It's returning it back to the principal. You're the principal. It came from you on the first half of the OID, and it has to be returned back to you once they know who the owner is. That's why I said you are to file another. 1099 OID to the each owner. And you are the nominee that is the, the payer 
and the owner is the recipient. So it tells you how you're supposed to get it from him. But if they but they didn't know who the owner is, and remember, as public trustees, as fiduciary <clears throat> trustees, they work for the owner. So they're holding all of this money that you paid because you never identified yourself as being an owner. When you sign the contract, you sign it as a debtor that's going to pay them every single month. That's what the contract says. You're going to pay me every month. That's what, that can't make you the speculator. That's how you sign a contract for the utility. I'm going to pay every month. So if you want them to send you a check or you want them to send you the OID, then you need to let them know, I am the lender and you the borrower. Now that's how okay, I you, you listen a lot. You, you listen a lot of stuff. I, I don't <laughs> yeah, want to let um, What what yeah. account number? Like, where do you get the account number? You should be opening up a Treasury Direct account or have a non-interest bearing account at your bank. That's that's private. And in that non-interest bearing account, mm-hmm. you're going to ask your bank manager to set you up with an escrow, and you put some of it into the escrow and ask for a line of credit and checks to write off the line of credit, now you just turn private money into public money. Okay. You need to open up an app and treasury direct account. And also, caller, you can listen to the show. Uh, it's going to be recorded when we all, and he talked about that earlier, too. Okay, I didn't get in until about a half hour ago. Yeah, so you can just go and listen to the show. And uh, he talked about, he explained about the opening up the bank, the non-interest bank, not in your name, but in your trust account. So he explained yeah. it earlier. Yes, don't, don't use your name, please. Always have a trust. Forget Do you have to use the 98 EIN? No, you can use the EIN. You have to 98 is foreign. You're not supposed to really use any foreign in the commercial world. Let's go, and I was saying, let's go get you a DBA. And because the bank wants something that's registered with the county and the state. So do a DBA, do a business ad, and then go to the IRS and get an EIN number for that name. And then you can go down to the bank and open up another Instagram account. That's private. That's where you're putting your private money, and it's not going to get any benefit Okay, thank you so much. Okie dokie, folks. I shall see you all next week, and we'll continue. Mr. Rice, Mr. Rice. Yes. Mr. Rice. Yes. We have a question from the chat room. They don't want you to go yet. Um, They say... I don't mind. Okay, in in the chat room, uh, let me see. Do you have to have an authenticated birth record, birth certificate, uh, social before you can begin this process that you've been talking about? No. You know, opening up a non-interest-bearing account? No. So you... You just just get a DBA. Hmm? No, you could just go get a DBA at the county and, and, and then get an EIN number for it 
so that way you can open up a bank account with it. No, you don't need to do none of that stuff. All, all that other stuff is, is when you started controlling your uh, estate. You're trying to control the estate with authentication, birth records, birth certificate. Here, all we're doing is setting ourselves up for uh, access and, and, and when we discharge debts, when we OID, which is private money, we can OID. I would still feel like the OID as a estate in a trust. Not still don't really do it under your name, but a state in a trust. And I create a bank account. You become a banker, be a private banker, and I do. I would file that down at the Treasury Direct. So like you're depositing money in your bank at the Treasury Direct. Does that answer that person's question? Yeah, and they got another question, but don't don't uh, don't yell when I ask when I t- tell you what they <laughs> what <Okay>. they say. <laughs> uh, they want to know have have you seen proof that this stuff works? This is how the wealthy file their taxes. This is how they do this. Yeah, and, and um. It's hard to ask that question. You know, I used to have an answer to that question. Mm. But the point is, because you don't know about it doesn't mean that it doesn't work. I mean, it doesn't work. Done yeah. it. I'm not, yeah. I can give you codes and laws showing the things that I talk about. That's, that's, that's how you operate. I got codes and laws or personal experiences that I have gone through and done. Oh. You know, if they tell you what to do, I just follow what they do. Do what they do. I'm not here to reinvent the wheel. So we just do what they do. But how much? How many times are you really knowing what they do on the private side? Everything I'm giving you, publication 1212, operating circular number 10, the banking, the uh, 12 U.S.C. 412, those are not laws and rules that you get at home or in your on your daily newspaper that gets thrown on your front porch in the morning. They were never meant for you to know about. When they say you, they're not talking about you, me, or, or Beverly. They're talking about them. So if you're going to win a war, you better know something about how the enemy operates. Otherwise, you're not going to win. It's all banking. It's all banking. And, and I hope to explain it to you where it makes common sense to what I'm talking about. I'm not putting any, I'm not throwing picking stuff off the air. Everything I say is pretty much have some kind of continuity with it, where you, it, 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 it's supposed to be able to sound right for yourself, but then you have to do your own due diligence. Because it don't say, I mean, I have got OIDs back for people. I have shown people the checks for the people that I got OID for, and people still don't believe it. So it doesn't matter. If I say yes to a question, it's not going to matter. The whole point of what I'm talking about is you have to do the work, people. If you don't do the work, then, you know, my best proof that it works is because I've done it. But have you done it? And if I told you I've done it, will it make a difference? It shouldn't make a difference. You're supposed to be a creditor. You're supposed to be a a banker. You you're acting like a debtor. A question like that is 
It's like you act you're talking like a debtor. Did someone else do it? Do I have to follow? Can I follow someone else? That's not how a creditor operates, people. You just do it because you see it in your subconscious mind. Listen to me. You see it in your subconscious mind, not your conscious mind, because your conscious mind is confused. You got it's it's adapted to being confused. That's what the government is messing with your conscious mind. You have to see it in your conscious, your conscious, subconscious, subconscious. The things I talked about about this taking the credit report, I dreamed it. We, you know, last week I dreamed it. It came in a dream. So I don't think anyone's done it that I know of, but I'm pretty sure someone has because I'm, you know, we we when we dream, we come from a part of everyone from the past, present, and future right. is in that, right. and that's what makes people geniuses and, and visionaries, they could tap on other people's understanding and mindset. I haven't taught this, I haven't taught the things like this since I've been 11 years old. I've pretty been successful. Everything I've done, everything I've done, I've been pretty successful. And every and day, this system, this system that we're talking about, this banking system, Somebody thought this up. It just didn't just happen. Somebody thought it up, dreamed it like you came up. That's how the answers come. That's how the universe works. They thought this this system up, and they put this system together. And all we're doing is learning the system. We don't know. Most of us don't know about banking, and that's what we're doing here. We're learning what they didn't teach us. Yeah, and and you be, you think of stuff like who who actually came up with the Constitution of the United States? You know, Ben Franklin, all these people, uh, Dave Madison. Did they just they sit down and write things? But you know, they had to think if they had to see what they wanted to to develop a country. They had to see it in their mind. They just didn't throw some words together because everything. Every letter, every word has a meaning in that sentence. It wasn't just someone just threw the words together. Everything has a meaning to it. And and so I had to think, these, these were visionaries. They saw a country, yeah, yeah. a new country coming in. They wanted to get rid of that old country, the England and all them. They wanted to get out of that system and start a new one here. And if they wasn't visionaries, we would all still be you know, praising the Queen of England, you know, like Canada. No, you know, we, we don't do that here. And you that's know, what it's and, about. And we, that's the key word, Mr. Uh, Rice, visionary. That's how you create, and, and we are creators. And whether someone else did it, you know, how, I, I can't even mention how many things I've done. I went to the bank. I went to probate, uh, and I filed papers or asked them, uh, Mr. Rice, uh, what are you doing? No one's done this before. How are you able to do it? And I said, I can read. That's all. And she said, okay, well, let's stamp it and give him what he wants. I can read, people. I can read. Believe me, I've done so many things. I'm like, <laughs> like you all, I didn't have a Myron Rice. <laughs> I wish I had someone like him to explain things to me as I'm doing to you. I didn't have that. And everything that I tell you, I never write anything down. That means everything that comes out of me is a first thought. 
is this just the first thought? I have never, I have never, in the three years I've been doing this, maybe three and a half, I have never listened to my pause. Never. Because I don't want to have to second uh, think myself. I want to second guess myself at all. If I have a correction, I can say I got a correction of what I said last week or last month. But I have never listened to any of my calls. Never. Because whatever came out of my mouth right now or at any time, I feel I'm being led by my spirit, the spirit of God. I'm being led by my spirit. And I'm trying to explain it to you as simply as I can. Sometimes I have a hard time. So I got Miss Beverly to aid me with that. Okay? Because I know I could get sometimes get complicated, but um, that's why Miss Beverly is there to slow me down. Slow your roll, Mr. Wright. Oh, no. Yeah, because you be gone. <clears throat> Some of us, <laughs> I'd be out of breath just listening to you. <laughs> I just, like I said, I want to get these out. I try to get them so I have, to, so I have a complete idea that's out there, and you all can listen to them and play them back and all that. But again, I have never, never listened to myself. Never. never. I listen to other calls to other people, but I've never listened to myself. So well, I have to say, whatever the knowledge I had at that time, and believe me, I grow too. I grow art as well. And each time people ask questions, I don't know, I will, I will research it, make sure that I'm getting the correct answer with the correct laws or whatever or codes. A lot of people, they just give out information. I don't want to hear that. I, I don't want to hear just information. You can't, where's your foundation? You know, they say strong foundation. Don't give me sand. I'm not, I can't build nothing on some sand. Give me something hard, something like concrete. And I can say, oh, okay, let me go to this and that. That's how I was today, going back. I, I know I went back a little far, but I want you to see how the bank operates. The bank that you go to is the borrower, and the Federal Reserve Bank is the bank. They're the borrower, and we see, we see ourselves as the borrower, but no, they're borrowers before we. They are borrowers before we are borrowers. And there's something, well, it's, it's getting late. And there's a code that I, I wanted you all to see. I just found it, really, but it's good. I need you all to look at 12. USC insurance people is about insurance and 1709 look at that one first and it states right here and you all folks are crying about promissory notes and all that other stuff look at 1709 insurances of mortgages and it said the secretary is authorized upon application by the mortgagee the mortgagee remember not the mortgage not you, the mortgage, the mortgage, to insure 
as hereinafter provide any mortgage offered to him, which is eligible for insurance as hereinafter provided. And this is part I like. Upon such upon such such terms as the secretary may provide to make commitments for the insuring of such mortgages prior to the date of their execution or disbursement thereon. So that means that the, the secretary is going to be the one that's put uh, enforcing insurance on the mortgagee, and they are to have this in place before they give you the loan. This is what it said, before there's an execution or disbursement, they're on. So why are they coming after your house and your car and all this when they got insurances on mortgages as well as any other item out there? They've got the insurances already there. And it says prior, such mortgages prior to the date of execution or disbursement. So that means that you are, if you don't pay, they are insured. They are insured already. And then go to go to 12 USC 1710, payment of insurance, payment of insurance. And in the middle it said, the secretary pay insurance benefits to a mortgagee, which we might call a MERS or trot and trot, for any mortgage insured under Section 709. So it just talks about what we did talk about. And it says, assignment of mortgage. The secretary may pay insurance benefits whenever a mortgage has been in a monetary default for not less than three full months. So if you don't make payments in three months, the secretary will pay insurance to the mortgagee. So why are the mortgagee coming after you people? Here it is, black and white. Read it. And says, or whenever the mortgagee is entitled to foreclose for the non-monetary default. So the mortgagee would be what? If MERS is about to foreclose on you for a non-payment of a default, the uh, secretary will pay them insurance. They will pay them insurance. You say to the, the mortgagee. Secretary. What secretary? Secretary of State? I don't know. It just says the secretary. Oh. I'm not oh, sure. Okay. Um, let me go back to the other one and see if 70, because they talk, they refer to 709. So let me go back to 709 and see if it talks. The secretary is authorized upon application by the mortgagee to ensure. I don't know. I guess it must be talking about the secretary of of what the state. Secretary of state. I'm not sure. That's a good question. Okay, I I've got another homework assignment for you listeners out there. What secretary are they talking about? But can you see what's going on here? They're taking people's property and foreclosing when they had insurance before they were able to give you the loan. If they were able uh, to give you the loan, and it says they had to, it was done right here under the United States Code, which I'm pretty sure if I go into uh, what's his name, um, 
Well, let me go down to the bottom of the document because it's 12 pages. Well, I get the statues at large. No, I don't have it on here. So if I go to uh, uh, Cornell University, uh, they, they give you the statues at large, means it came straight from Congress. A lot of these USC codes are codified from the statues at large. So that means you can get that information straight from the Congress themselves, how they wrote it up. But the key word here is why are they taking your property when they're going to get paid insurance from the secretary? Does that have something to do with the PMI insurance? Because usually in the contract it says that there's a PMI, private mortgage insurance. Yeah, I don't know what they call it. The different states may have different wording. But I know in Michigan, under the definition of mortgage insurance, it says the lender shall be reimbursed when the borrower does not pay and go in default. That's what it just said under the definition of mortgage insurance. And this is not insurance that you pay. This is what they have to have before they even give you the loan. So why people are not harping on, have you filed a claim? Your Honor, could you ask these people, have they filed a claim for their insurance so they can be reimbursed? Because in other words, they're committing fraud. Because if they take your house and, and money or whatever, and, and then go and claim insurance, they're committing fraud, insurance fraud. I brought this to the attention of a guy who said he was, he did insurance, he was a, and he said, oh, Mr. Rice, you are so right. They're committing insurance fraud, because they didn't, they gonna, you know they're going to get the money, so why they help them trying to get your house and selling it? Because that means they're getting money on top of money. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they sell your house at the sheriff's sale, that means they're getting paid, and then they're going to then they're going to get insurance too. That's getting paid twice. That's fraud, people. Look at tell tell folks. Look at twelve USC seventeen oh nine and seventeen ten. I just put it on our uh, FMI for our group. Come on, this is ridiculous. What I'm reading here. 709, mortgages prior to the date of execution or disbursement. Folks, now I can't answer any questions because it's already too late. <laughs> How come we got someone on the book they, before? That's how they got they stuck in. They can still call in if they have any questions. Oh, okay. Uh, so, I don't see hand right. Okay. Now they might, they're probably sleeping now. <laughs> they listening. We're going to be on the chat room. You got, you got somebody in the chat room that's asking questions. I told them to call in. They don't want to call in. Okay. Well, what's the, what is it? They typing it in? So you gotta read it. Uh, uh, what is he asking? They can call in. They're not scared. They just don't want to call. Oh, give them the number again. Give them the number again. The number is three two three six four two one five eight six, and push one. Okay. Somebody calling in. Wait a minute. Let's see who this is. 
724, area code 724. You have another uh, question? Yes. Do okay. you have to correct your status before you do any of this? You, you, you broke up. Can you say it again? Say that again. Do you have to do you have to correct your status first before you do any of this? No. No? These, these are, no, no. These, these are their laws. I'm giving you their laws. There is no status under their law. Only what we may want to do, but it doesn't matter. It, it stays what they're supposed to do. And all you're doing is telling them, the enemy what he's supposed to do. You're supposed to have insurances for this information. And the only thing I would talk to, the only thing I would definitely do is make sure you have your avatars, or I call them assignees. Don't talk to them as a child. Under your name, you are a child. So the only thing I would say you need to have is some representatives out there. Make sure that you write in a contract that they get an equitable title, right, and interest. At the equitable title, right, and interest. That means that those those are uh, characters that you create is like a play. You create a character. Sorry, can you repeat that? You're so, breaking for up. example, yeah, can you give her an example of what you mean by avatar? Okay, I'm I'm saying that you have to create people. Let's say you're a live woman. I hear you talking, and your husband and baby behind you. You you you're outside the graveyard. You you're alive. You're through. You're three dimensional. They're dead. They're two dimensional. They're inside the graveyard. Everybody in there has a tombstone. You need to create a couple of tombstones. One is going to be the executor that manages your estate. The other is going to do be an agent that does day-to-day operations for the estate. So creating those tombstones in a contract, you want to make sure you give them full equitable rights, title, and interest. That means they can speak for the child because you you're, you're the energy behind the birth certificate. The birth certificate is a child, and the child needs representatives, adults, or characters to operate for them in commerce. So basically what you're telling her is she needs to create a trust and communicate with these people through her trust. Well, let's put it like this. You, you, already have a, you already have an estate when you were born, but you got, you care, you, you're getting two other uh Estates or trusts, I would say, two other trusts or some kind of a um, corporation to represent your your estate uh, in commerce. These people, these entities that you're creating are for you in commerce. They're not U.S. citizens like your birth certificate is. They they're your characters. You created them. We call them assignees. You're creating them, and you're creating them to operate for you and the commerce world, commercial world. And, and how do you create another signings is another word for trustees, right? Basically they can be if you set up a trust, but it could be a corporation. It doesn't okay. matter, just as long as you got representatives out there. Now she was saying something. What what was you saying, ma'am? Do you have to file the UCC to do that, or can you just do that and just put it on record? No, once you have a contract, first of all, because you can't do a UCC and use it in court, because courts only deal with contracts. The UCC is not really a contract. It's a lien that you're filing. 
So you, after you created these individuals, then you could do a UCC one for your executor, whoever you decide to be the executor. So he has uh, a lien for whatever forty billion dollars, whatever you put down in box four. He has a lien to control the birth certificate. Then, but the agent, you could have to be a business that's operating for the state on a day-to-day operation. So there's a UCC one, or we do a non-UCC, it's private, on uh, a lien on the on the child. So we call a straw man a child. So there is a entity which would be a, you can make it a trust, you can make it a corporate, you make way one, but it is uh, has a lien, has a higher lien than anyone out there on the child. So you have a priority lien on that child. And you could do that through a UCC-1 or a non-UCC. Patrick Divine shows how to do a non-UCC. Register it to yourself. Put an international stamp on it. But I don't want to go into detail with that. But if you contact me on Skype, uh, I can send you a copy of a template here. But no, yeah, you do need your characters. You need you do need your characters to operate for you, because you can't operate in commerce as a child. They they laugh at you. They won't listen to you. They don't have to respond back. But when you say, "Hey, these are my agents, and they work for me," blah 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 blah, you need to treat them as if you're talking to me. Because you outside the graveyard. These agents are uh, the tombstone that's doing commerce with those other tombstones. I, I, I don't know uh, any simpler way of explaining it. Okay. That's it, Carla. And you got it? Uh, any yeah. questions? Um, uh, no, thank you. Eon. Yeah, okay. if you go thank to you. Eon, he, he has questions. He has you know how to set up a contract with that, I told you, equitable rights, titles, and interest. Yeah, and then you say you put an arbitration clause in there. Um, that means you don't have to really go to court. You have to just find someone who's knowledgeable in the law, and they make a decision for you, and the courts cannot say anything about it. They can't respond at all. They're trying to change it, but I don't think they can. So you, it's like you, you, you basically outside their jurisdiction. Well, Mr. Rice, I thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your research. Thank you for your information. And look forward to next Sunday at the same time, same place. And we appreciate you. Yeah, listeners, please do your own diligence and Come back. I mean, I need to give me some feedback. Pros and cons. It don't matter. It don't matter. Just, just come back because other people may have the same questions in their mind that you want to bring up to. You know, you just had the courage to talk about it. Well, the both of the followers here, but you step out as a creditor and express yourself. You are creditors. You are bankers. Act like one. Your birth certificate is a bank, and you are a banker because you are carrying Federal Reserve notes. So if you don't act like a banker, then they will treat you a lot less. 
That's why they treat you a lot less because you're not professionalism for them. You're not being professional with them. But the judge of court, only thing they want you to say is, I am I have a lien on this straw man that you are charging and I'm here to settle the debt. Show me the bond. Okay? And then you, you flip it over and you sign it. Okay, looks good. Flip it over and sign it and give it back to them and say, Okay, we can go home now. This bond pays the bill. I'm just I'm just saying that's what they want you to say in court. Don't argue jurisdiction, don't argue about this, that, and the other, just say, I'm here to settle the debt. You're charging, and you have the birth certificate in your hand. This is what you are charging. I'm an occupant of the office of the state of what you're charging in my hand. And I'm here to settle the debt. Show me the bond so that way I can sign it. Why do you want to see the bond? Because the bond has a cost. Okay, but people in jail, they don't even know how much they owe. You're in jail because you don't even know how much you owe. You might know what crime you did, but you don't know how much you owe. And what they're putting on the market that has to be paid off. Get the bond so you know how much you owe. And then just flip it over and sign it. Endorse it. Using your exemption ID number. Your account number on the back of the Social Security. I'm just trying to let you people know. They want, there's a lot of things people are doing out there, and I'm not saying they're wrong or right, but, you know, I might. I say, keep it simple. Yes, keep it simple, stupid. Some things are just too okay. difficult. Okay, yeah. folks. Peace and love again. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Rice. We appreciate you. Uh, you can join me tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I have Dr. Robert X with me, and I'll be back again next Sunday with Myron Rice. Wake up. Wake up everybody, no more sleeping in bed No more back to thinking, time for thinking ahead The world has changed so very much of what it used to be There's so much hatred, war and poverty Wake up all the teachers, time to teach a new way Maybe then they'll listen to what you have to say They're the ones who's coming up and the world is in their hands When you teach the children, teach them the very best they can But just let it be na, 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 na. The world won't get no better We gotta change it now Just you 
Under NASA's Artemis program, Dynetics and Lidos will develop and build a new human landing system, advancing economic opportunities and paving the way for a sustained lunar economy. Learn more at DyneticsHLS.com. Here's three great reasons to get the new Samsung Galaxy S21 5G at T-Mobile. One, it's free for both current and new customers when you trade in an eligible device. Two, T-Mobile's the leader in 5G coverage. So three, you can unleash 5G speeds in more places with your new phone. Get the new Galaxy S21 free at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G coverage. Phone via 24 monthly bill credits plus tax. If you cancel credit, stop and balance on required finance agreement may be due. Contact us. Qualifying credit and consumer plan required. See details at T-Mobile.com.